I've got a kind of, it's not a hot take. It's a cold take for you guys, but here's what I'm going to say. I think it's very possible that the most overrated from software game is Bloodborne. No, most underrated. No, you haven't even played it. Get underrated. Get the most underrated from software game is Sekiro. No, no, no. Get off the air. You haven't played it. (laughs) That's like me saying that like Mad Men is like such an overrated show because I watched one episode. It's like, (laughs) come on. It it is kind of overrated. It, you think you think so? I, I mean, I haven't seen, seen it. A, a, it's little, like, a it's, little bit. A little. Are we bit. talking about Mad Men or or Bloodborne? Mad <laughs> Men. I mean, to clarify, like, I still think Bloodborne's a masterpiece. You but haven't played Bloodborne. It. You don't even know what is going on. Gets, I've played hours of it. Uh, Sekiro's like story is a Sekiro's story is objectively worse than Bloodborne's story, like significantly. Ooh, I about that, I don't know about that actually. That's what um, that is, I agree with that. Sekiro's story is about, so basic. I don't know about objectively, but it's, I think the story. Subjectively, the story is better in Bloodborne. Dude, yeah. So we're going to talk about Sekiro for sure. How's everybody doing? What's uh, We haven't talked about games in a month. We got Ben on. Ben, how you doing? Welcome I'm, back to the show. I'm doing very well, thank you. And yeah, I'm very happy to be back. We got Oren here. Oren is wearing a new pair of glasses. Uh, these ones are, these are good. I like these frames. You know what? I was in a really calm mood. But after you drop that take, I think I'm just going to be pissy and mad for the rest of the show. Thanks to you, Aaron. So to our listeners, what do you imagine we look like? Because you probably haven't even seen us. Like, did you know that Aaron wears glasses? Aaron wears glasses, too. Did you know that? That's kind of new to me, honestly. Like, I still remember Aaron, like, circa 2015 when he didn't wear glasses. Yeah. (laughs) Me, too. Uh, just, Just imagine, like, what a broken person looks like. Like a really broken and sad person, and that's what I look like. So now yeah. you know. Yeah. They just like a picture of me, and they're like, "Whoa, sad broken uh, person." I, yeah. This I could take a photo of us. Oh, my camera's <laughs> conveniently gone blurry. Oh, conveniently. You're gonna take a photo of. Damn! It's, what a shame. What a shame. Uh, imagine, a imagine a mix of pixels that are multicolored. Yeah. Imagine Picasso painting like. in the modern era. Exactly. Uh, all right. Summer. Not that many Yay. new games, but we're going to talk about that later. Uh, Oren, what the hell is going on with this Kojima shit? Oh, that's right. Give me the update. I was, uh, yeah, the update. The update is, is that it's probably not a Kojima conspiracy, but Damn. Really? it was a fun, it, it was a bad. fun ride. It was a fun ride. But he was pointing to blue in the picture. I mean, like, I feel bad because the guy, like, uh, on Twitter kind of showed himself, uh, Hassan Karaman, and uh, he was like, guys, please, I'm just trying to make a game. And now I feel bad, but, like, there is, like, a small part of me that's, like, maybe Hideo Kojima is on the side of the camera, 
pointing a gun at him, being like, come on, just say that you're me. But I doubt it. At this point, I'm pretty sure it's not a conspiracy. But it was a fun ride while it lasted. I'm still probably going to play Abandoned. We're probably going to find out what it is in the next week or so when Sony reveals their so state of play. Is but we'll the see. reason that you think it's not a conspiracy is because Team Bloober just got assigned the next well, that uh, too. Konami game? Okay. Which is also very disappointing. That I was very disappointed to hear that news. I was thinking <laughs> that the last time they had made a Silent Hill game, as far as I know, it's called Silent Hill Homecoming. A Western developer shouldn't have a Western developer making Silent Hill. It's a Japanese horror game. Through and I through. That's my that's my opinion. No, I, I agree. You know, it'd be so. sick is if uh, FromSoft did a Silent Hill game because I feel like the tone of Bloodborne they... is super Silent Hill. If they had done Tango as well, Tango game. Oh, oh yeah, Tango. Evil Tango would have been sick that, too. That would have been perfect. Yeah. yeah. Evil it's Within Two game. is like Evil Within Two is the perfect combination of Silent Hill Two and Resident Evil Four. It's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So I'll talk about the first game mm. as well. I didn't actually play Silent mm. Hill Two, but one of these days, For sure. I will. One of these <laughs> days. Yeah. No. Yeah. My update on this conspiracy is that it's probably not a thing because. Uh, I, I don't know. I just feel bad that this developer, Hassan Karaman, is like getting inundated by all of these rumors. But at the same time, I feel like he did kind of set himself up for it because he kept posting really ambiguous statements on Twitter that alluded to it maybe being Kojima. But yeah, yeah, I would say oh, well. that this kind of misdirection is not beyond Kojima and it still could very well be the case. Yeah, but I feel like right now at this point, it's 99 percent. Probably not Kojima and one percent. It could be Kojima. I mean, did, didn't that they do the exact wild. same thing almost with the Phantom Pain? Yeah, yeah, that's my yeah. understanding. Yeah, they yeah. they did a very similar thing with the Phantom Pain. If I remember correctly, they had like a fake studio claiming mm-hmm. they were making the Phantom Pain, and then suddenly later on it was just attached to Metal Gear Solid. Right. Yeah. I mean, so by all means, a, the there is a chance. So like, did you guys see Dumb and Dumber? Like, you're like, it's one in a billion chance. So you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> yes, <laughs> you know, there, there might be a chance, but we'll see. Anyway, that, mm. <laughs> that's all I have to say. But, uh, but back to what Kevin was saying, the Bloober Team news is kind of disappointing to me because I just did not vibe with the medium at all. So. Maybe the Silent Hill game they make will be good, but who knows? Why is Konami making games again? I thought they were all in in Pachinko. (laughs) We're still in rumor mode. They seem to like drip feed something every once in a while. They're like, oh, we might be working on this uh, Castlevania Game Boy Advance collection, according to... And every time that leak happens, it always comes out. So like, it's definitely going to be a Castlevania Game Boy Advance collection, which is really cool because they're really good games. I hope they do a DS collection next. But hmm. it does seem like Konami's like, we can make money off this if we slowly release shit, but we're not going to invest that much into it. So it's weird that they're making a new game. I don't know, understand. Yeah. The, the things that they put out recently, the Konami collection on PC and the version that's on PS4 are not that great. Yeah. I'm so. really sad that the PS4 version of Symphony has the uh, new voice acting from the PSP version because I really love the original voice acting for Symphony. It's like a part of the, what makes that game great. So That's it what's picked. on the 360 version, right? Yeah, 360 has the original. So. I still own that. Like when I logged into yeah. my my Microsoft store, it was like, yeah, you bought this in 2006. Yeah, I still had my save even. 
Oh yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> I wonder if I actually I probably still have my save too. You had to. I, I didn't even save. check. Uh, At some point in 2000, I probably did not do that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, Sea of Thieves got a Pirates update. Apparently, there's some off-brand Jack Sparrow, something like that. What are you doing, Orin? What's going on? Um, it's well. First of all, to the listeners, I am pretty new to Sea of Thieves. I literally just got into this game. I want to say three weeks ago, and I've been having a blast. And I decided to check out this. Uh, off-brand Jack Sparrow Pirates of the Caribbean DLC that was released, I want to say, like a week ago um, in Sea of Thieves, and I'm kind of shocked at how good it is. I think, I feel like the game has, Sea of Thieves has finally taken full form, because a lot of criticisms I had with it a couple weeks ago have been fixed or have been addressed. Like, now there's enemy types all of a sudden. Like, instead of just skeletons, there's sirens, Mm. there's, like, crab Mm -hmm. monsters, uh... Uh, it, it's pretty neat, and some of the Pirates of the Caribbean quests are actually really fun. And uh, take me back to when I was seven years old, singing uh, "Yo Ho, Yo Ho, a Pirate's Life for Me" and stuff. And it, it's just a good time. I'm really surprised. If you're a fan of Sea of Thieves, it's it's like I feel like they finally delivered what they've been promising for the past year and a half. What so are the quests like? At. What are the quests like? Because I. Like, are the Aztec gold cursed? You know, you turn to a skeleton. Like, what, what's the quest like? Uh, it's pretty It's pretty neat. Like, the first... I, I played three of the Tall Tales. There's five of them. The first one is pretty much like a theme park ride. It doesn't require, like, a lot of puzzle solving or combat. Um, you're just kind of, like, on a theme park attraction ride from Disney World or whatever. But, but the actual quests, like after that first one, they become a lot more exploration heavy. And like the second one, you're basically exploring a siren castle while like the Kraken is kind of swimming around it. And it's like actually pretty fun and has a lot of puzzle solving. Yeah, it's Mm -hmm. sick. And uh, Jack Sparrow shows up. The voice actor for him is like really convincing. Um, but is it literally Jack Sparrow? Is it literally Jack Sparrow? It, oh, yeah, it's literally Jack Sparrow. It's yeah. literally the Pirates of the Caribbean DLC. Oh, my God. Uh, okay. okay I thought, sorry I thought if you that were, wasn't clear. I thought you were sorry. being facetious. I thought that was facetious. So, sorry. No, oh, no, brand. no. I should have I should have been uh, clearer about that. No, this is like a pirate. This is a crossover, a full-on crossover. And it's, it's, it's super fun. And it's usually I get sick of this franchise bullshit because it's just everywhere. But I feel like yeah. Pirates of the Caribbean hasn't been oversaturated enough where I'm like okay with it except in um, Kingdom Hearts I'm done with Kingdom Ki- Hearts I did not play the new Kingdom Hearts so I I've, I did not experience it there it's, it's very good it's way better than Kingdom Hearts 2 but it's still like you know you're kind of done with it sure I'd rather just play uh, Final Fantasy Origins am I right fellas chaos yeah chaos. And I know everyone hates Kingdom Hearts but you know I can't help it mm. <laughs> Uh, I, I mean, like, I do love comics. Disney characters. So, <laughs> Disney characters in a Final Fantasy setting is pretty cool. And as a kid, when I played the first game, I was like, this is sick. I love this. Right. Yeah. Sadly, that first game came out after my 40th birthday, so. Oosh. But um, <laughs> yeah, that, that came out, like, right in time for me. I was, I was 10. I was the perfect yeah. age. Just yeah. turned to the double digits. I was ready. Yeah, I think it came out when I was, like, 18 or 19, so it was already too too slightly too old but uh mm-hmm. cool so sea of thieves is is better now i i like we said before always love the pvp um 
little British kids. It's also, it's also, I will, I will also say like the emergent gameplay in that game is just impeccable. Like, I mean, Mm -hmm. uh, there was just a time where I was going from one quest to the next quest with, uh, with my buddy. And we had like, I want to say 10 miles between those quests. We had to sail a bit. Between that time, we got attacked by a Megalodon. We got attacked by a player ship. We found a mm-hmm. sunken wreck. We, wreck. we looted that. And we didn't plan on any of this stuff. It's just things that just happened while we were trying to get from quest to quest. And I think that's what makes that game so neat. It's just the emergent gameplay is spot on. Yeah, yeah. it's because it doesn't have any, sort of, any form of uh, fast travel. Like, you have to, like, get your ship to the island that you're going to, right? Unless they didn't add fast travel, right? I don't think so. And, like, who would yeah. do that? This That game is all about just getting drunk on your ship, playing tunes while getting attacked by a Megalodon. Like, why would you not awesome. do that? So, yeah. C- cool game, Sea of Thieves. If you have it, it's on Game Pass. The update is free on Game Pass. Like, another reason to own that. So give it a shot. So I have all one right. question about that, that expansion that I wanted to ask. The, the, sure. My favorite part of that game was it's, like, almost, I don't want to say Star Trek <laughs> element of, like, each person has a role in the ship and they're doing it and you're like kind of like taking the ship in a place and it's almost like you're controlling this like physics object that you're standing on that you're just trying to like steer around and it's difficult and awkward but like it seemed like once you Real got life. to the islands all the fun stopped in my opinion mm. like it just sucked it was like the islands the were coordination not fun to explore. they didn't feel dangerous there was nothing to find it was just like cosmetic kind of quest stuff so is there more stuff to do because this is what i was hoping that they would have like maybe some sort of like meaningful thing to do that's not just um, killing skeletons or finding children. well uh, my answer to that is that they've added more enemy types so there's a little right. bit more That's uh, cool. discovery like I mean we went to a sunken wreck and usually in typical Sea of Thieves the only thing that can attack you during that time is a shark but mm-hmm. the fact that they've introduced sirens now makes it a little bit more tense because you don't know if you're going to be That's attacked cool. by sirens and they also uh, introduced a new weapon type which is this trident that shoots bubbles and it does brutal jet damage. So, like, it just it feels like the game finally has variety. Like before, yeah. it was a little threadbare and a little yes. too make your own fun, which is cool. But it seems like they've finally introduced a nice amount of, amount of variety where it feels new. Um, I agree. Variety is like the thing it really did need. Enemy types, all that stuff. The only problem with the game is that I did encounter one game-breaking bug on one of the quests, which was a little frustrating, so we had to restart the quest. So it's a little rough around the edges, but overall, I'm having a great time, and I recommend it to anybody who loves pirates and loves Game Pass. Or cooperative gameplay games with with that also have PvP. Like, because just like Kevin was saying, like, the the kind of coordination that you you have to do to get the ship moving is... I think rare in co-op games, and it's like I think that should rare. be the basis rare. of co-op games. Oh. <laughs> sorry, sorry, I couldn't resist. All right. <laughs> oh, I, yeah. I feel like I beat you to it. Rare. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm taking credit for that, Kevin. Uh, in any case, it's yeah, I like it. I have a, it's it's a fun game. Very nice. All right, uh, let's talk about the the best from software game, Sekiro. 
the best <laughs> no. from software? I don't know if it's God. the best, but literally no shots, one agrees with you. But shots it's okay. I, I think it's the most <laughs> underrated. So let me let me tell you my, my Sekiro history. Sekiro won game the game of the year at the Game Awards. It is not underrated. All right, let's. But we'll talk about that. My my history is that I've <laughs> this is the third time I've started the game. So it took me like two failed attempts of getting to like a little past Genichiro and then like getting distracted. Every time it was like something else came up. Like I think the first time Valorant came out and I got really, maybe that was the second time. I don't know. I get distracted by other games and it's like a, an extremely demanding game as we all know. Um, but I would say that it's maybe like the most even keel from soft game from getting to end. I probably excluding Bloodborne because I, I don't know how even kill that whole game is. Um, I, I still kind of prefer Dark Souls 1, but like this game is doing all the things that Dark Souls 1 does that the other FromSoft games, in my experience, didn't do. It has a large interconnected world. It has a really high level of challenge. Like it's it's kind of bonkers hard in a way that like most bosses, at least for me, uh, feel like like kind of like an exam that I have to study for. So like most bosses, I'll go in and like fight five or six times and then I'll like wait a day to sort of like sleep on it and let like the the lessons like encode into my long-term memory and come back and try to apply those lessons like there is not a single boss in the game I beat on my first try which is Dark Souls 3 like that was literally like seven out of ten bosses I beat on my first attempt uh Dark Souls 2 even like that uh it's it's required such a level of like dedication and like I don't know, just like attention to the game that is just extremely rare in single player games. And, and I think it's something that like most people experienced with whatever their first FromSoft game was, was they had that same kind of experience. And the fact that I've played all of From's games, except for, you know, the last three quarters of Bloodborne. <laughs> like, uh, right. Like, <laughs> like, but the fact that like, like that I was, they were able to invoke that same kind of feeling in me a second time, which it really didn't happen with Dark Souls two or three or the, or the other games is really impressive to me. Yeah, I agree. It's, it feels like a fighting game or something that's single player. Like you have to master every little piece of every little thing to succeed. It demands absolute excellence from you. And I also yeah. like how you can do the stealth stuff. Like there's so mm-hmm. many ways you can play right. the game more than other games from FromSoft in terms of the jumping and the sneak attacks and possessing enemies, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. It's very much like a Tenchu Souls, right? It's very mm-hmm. Tenchu Dark Souls. Yeah, Sekiro it really reminded me of Tenchu. Oh, lot. for sure, for sure. Yeah, it's sick. I, I love the, um, I love the stealth. Yeah, I actually I remember playing Sekiro back in 2019. And I got, I was getting so frustrated at that, at that game initially, uh, where I, I think I like rage quit. I was like, I'm not playing this game because I was stuck on the Ashina of the Seven Spears on that little hill. Do you know what I'm talking about? There's like a yeah. shrine there. I was getting destroyed by that guy, and and like I, I rage quit the game. I slept on it for like a few days, like Aaron said, and then I went back and I beat him on my first try. And it was, it's definitely just one of those games where. You really have to. It's not like Dark Souls and Bloodborne where there's multiple ways to kill a boss and you can use different builds to kill a boss. In Sekiro, there's really only like one or two ways that you really have to employ. Um, so, yeah, Sekiro is a neat game. I'm a big fan. Uh, not better than Bloodborne, but still great. 
<laughs> yeah, uh, I think of like the way the sort of like what Sekiro asks of you as a player is sort of like performing almost like a song. Like you have to play the whole song from beginning to end, like more or sure. less perfectly. Whereas like Dark Souls is just kind of like just do better than the boss or the you know the enemy that you're fighting. You just have to be slightly better than them, and or you win. Up. Or, or level up like so right uh, and i mean this makes me think about like there's this, always this conversation should FromSoft games or any games that, that are notoriously hard have like an easy mode and i'm like man if if sekiro had the option to call in a uh a co-op player or to level up like i definitely would have done it you know what i mean like the fact that i can't do that and that i had to learn these fights i think is making the game much more rewarding and much much more interesting for me than it would have been if I could have just leveled up and, you know, I mean, that second owl fight, holy shit. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, think, uh, I really like how that game is, like, it's almost more of, like, a spectacle fighter. Like, you have infinite stamina. Mm-hmm. You, you, I think you can, if I remember correctly, you can roll out of an attack. You can cancel attacks, which you can't do in Dark Souls. Um, and it's just, like, it's and it's still way harder, like because it requires so there's so many more mechanics, there's so many more things going on in it. And it was just like, I don't know. When I first played, I was like, wow, this is amazing. I love how you can stand toe to toe with giant enemies and just deflect all their attacks. You don't have to like roll away. You can just stand oh, right yeah. in their face. It's mm-hmm. so awesome. They did such a good job of that. I actually think that's why I was getting so frustrated with it initially. Was uh, I was trying to play it like Bloodborne because. In Bloodborne, it's about rolling and strafing, but mm-hmm. in Sekiro, you really have to get in their face. Like, like if you try playing it like Bloodborne, you're going to get destroyed. Um, mm-hmm. like that has really, been my problem. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, it's just my, my thousand hours of Souls games is mm-hmm. like, that, mu- that muscle memory is working against me in every fight, and I've really had to untrain myself. Yeah, truly. And... Uh, I will say, though, some of those boss fights, once you kind of figure out the puzzle or you figure out the pattern, it's amazing how easy they can be. Like, uh, my first playthrough of the game, I'm, I'm not even kidding, I spent all freaking week, we, the, the whole weekend, just trying to fight the final boss. Like, it was a project, because mm-hmm. I was getting destroyed. And the second, the second time, I, my second playthrough, the second time I fought him, I think I killed him on my second try. Like, it was a cakewalk. It was, the it, final boss? The final boss, yeah. Hmm. Like it's like once you figure it out and you get the moves down and you get the rhythm down and you just know what to do, it becomes easy. And I kind of found that with a lot of the bosses in the game, where once you kind of break them, uh, you kind of feel like a samurai master, samurai ninja mm-hmm. master. Yeah, yeah, that's that's definitely true. Um, I love how it sort of like on paper does most of the things that Dark Souls combat does. Like it seems to have the same general goals minus the stamina and I think maybe the move cancellation. But like it's just so different, and it's it's crazy that yeah. From would be like, oh, we developed, we basically like revolutionized like action game combat, and then we're gonna completely subvert all of that in this game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like I don't know if they get enough credit for that. I know they won the Game of the Year award, but I think that everybody, including myself, kind of felt that that was sort of a nod for previous achievements to some extent. Yeah. Right, That's like. Like that, they that Sekiro was was a good game, but maybe they won it for Bloodborne, or they won they won it for Dark Souls and Sekiro, as opposed to just Sekiro on its own merits. But like, the more I play this game, the more I'm like, this might be like their best game. I I, I slightly prefer Dark Souls just because it's it's classic at this point, you know. But like, I 
I could see the argument this is a better game through and through. I, and the setting is so awesome. I mean, granted, I didn't play Neo or Ghost of, Ghost of Tsushima, so the last time I played a game that had a setting even remotely like this was Ninja Gaiden 2, like 15 years ago. In my opinion, but, the setting is like blows Neo out of the water. Neo has this like sure. kind of like silly weeb element to it, and then Neo, it's like much more doesn't have like spirits and stuff like it's not like how Neo does. Neo has like the animals and all that stuff. I like that in Neo, but like it makes it feel much more kind of cheesy anime, like I've seen many times. Whereas Sekiro felt like it's taken much more like quote realistic mythology perspective, which I thought was really awesome, like. Uh, Ishin Ashina was a real guy. I doubt he was the guy he mm. is in Sekiro, but he was a real person. He had a grandson named Janitro. Like there was a real Ashina clan, all that. So that's definitely like it's cool that it has like some element of realism. It reminds me almost like of an Assassin's Creed. If FromSoft made an Assassin's Creed game, it's kind of almost like what Sekiro is. In a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I have a question for Aaron. Actually, did you pick up who the Tengu assassin is? I couldn't tell you. I, I haven't completed the game i just beat. i see i see kevin smiling i think you're picking up on what i'm saying oh yeah uh, yeah i know <laughs> no I, I haven't figured I, i'm not even sure Keep what you're going. talking about yet honestly but i i just beat the corrupted you, you monk by now. which which was actually a very easy fight for me it was like the, it was like the first fight that i beat in less than five tries like i think i think that in the uh sorry if there's there's minor spoilers here at least mechanical spoilers but the the second time you fight the great ape like i smashed it when when there's two of them Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. I love the Great Ape fight. I think that's my favorite boss fight in the game, the first one at least. But uh, but yeah, like uh, it's kind of funny because I'm actually... When it comes to gameplay, I agree with you, Aaron. I think it's the best one. I think I just prefer the lore and atmosphere and the just like figuring out what the fuck is going on in this world of Bloodborne more. But mm-hmm. I will say there are moments in Sekiro where... You, you kind of have have to put two and two together. Like, as I said, the Tengu assassin, like once you kind of figure him out and it's not really obvious who he is, you're like, oh, and there's like other little secret and story stuff that's very Dark Souls and Bloodborne where you have to think about like what's happening in the in the game to, to and like it's not kind of spoon fed to you, I think is really neat. I really it like interest- on that. Yeah. Sorry. On that note, I really like the elements of the Mount Congo with the monks. Like, what the fuck is going on here? Like that is oh, that was, dark, that was mysterious, awesome. and just like fucked up places in the game. And same with Mibu Village. It was like, what the fuck is going on here? Have you tried sure. swimming into the water in Mibu Village? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's awesome. <laughs> I, there's that. That game has a lot of just dark mystery, which felt very on from software lineage, which I really appreciated. It was cool. I yeah. could see I could see Bloodborne and Sekiro taking place in the same universe considering the lore of especially the monk temple. That's like the mm-hmm. most like the lore behind that yeah. is so Bloodborne. But anyway. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Uh it's it's interesting because this game has like cutscenes and to some extent it has a more delivered narrative. You have a main character who speaks and has a name and you don't get to choose your character. But like I feel like even with the cutscenes and the extra dialogue, like it still feels like a FromSoft minimalist storytelling. Like there's so many elements that are just kind of left to you to interpret and figure out, yeah. even about the main story and about what all these things are, that it's like it still has an incredible amount of mystery and intrigue. That's it's not spelled out. It's just like they give you more details than they usually would. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
I'm getting close to the end of it. I'm really enjoying it. I can definitely see myself. Like, I am, like, genuinely kind of terrified of both The Last Boss, which I've heard a lot about for, for <laughs> two years now, and uh, yeah. and New Game Plus, which be. I'm really eager to try. And but, the and that one big optional boss. Have fun uh, with that one. That one's not, a that fucking that's not the one that I'm, that I'm that that's the hardest boss in my opinion. Not so not the second hell fight. You could there's three bosses the, the the optional boss that Orange referring to the final boss and this and the second owl in my opinion are the three hardest bosses. Okay. So cuz the second owl is just like what the yeah. fuck he, he he every time he's killed me like second death I still had healing potions left. Like he kill he kills me before I can even get my heals off. Owns you. Yeah. He owns me. Yeah. Uh, I did him on NG+. But- plus. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, pain, pain and suffering. Yeah, uh, but I, I'm really enjoying Sakuro. I'm really enjoying that it's giving me that sort of first-time Dark Souls experience of really having to master the mechanics in the game at a deep level and and spend a lot of time studying it, which is it, which is rare in games. So check out Sakuro. Yeah. Uh, also, the HDR in that game makes it look like a completely different game. Almost like it looks so much more mystical, and it's yeah. it's. Every other game just makes it look a little more realistic and contrasty. This game, it's like they used a different color palette. Like, it really gives it this extra mystical quality. So, if, you're, if you have the option to check out the game in HDR, it's real nice. Did you guys uh, enjoy my, me opening my seltzer? It was nice and loud. I didn't, uh, I didn't hear I, it. I didn't hear I didn't it. it. Dis- Discord didn't is hear real it? aggressive with that shit. <laughs> no. We <laughs> only know about it because you, you told us. What kind of seltzer well, are you drinking there? Is that, is that LaCroix? Yeah, it's Lacroix. Sweet. It's a uh, lime flavor, and uh, I drink Spindrift. Just... That's that's my go-to these days. You see, here's the thing about Spindrift. Personal story time. Um, okay. I uh, was in a really bad job situation like a few years ago, and the team that I worked with called them their WhatsApp group Team Spindrift. So I always associate Spindrift with like that terrible job I had. So that's a shame. I, uh, yeah, it sucks. Cause it's nothing about wrong with Spindrift. It was just that my job was bad. It was like a toxic work environment. But anyway, mm. that's too bad. I, I, I love LaCroix. Really Seltzer love water LaCroix. has just a fart of flavor. I know, right? Oh, yeah. It's, it's like, uh, you know, you, you took a lime and it farted in the water. So you just get a little bit. I like the I, water flavor. I'm going to be a hardline evangelist till the day I die. I think the best flavored bubbly water is, water flavor yeah okay buddy okay buddy My like opinion. <laughs> i think it, it's like air, bad opinion aaron day Sekiro's the best from soft game water's the no best it's the most flavor. underrated the best and i think flavor. it is the most underrated for sure yeah like come on Sekiro like is not the game that everybody's like that's nobody says that's their favorite some from soft game there's like, there's only it, one it, best from soft game that is cookies yeah, and cream. armored core cookies and armored. cream <laughs> <laughs> Cookies and cream is the best from Soft game, and we all know that. Okay, I was gonna say uh, Armored Core Four. Did you know that FromSoft but... made a Tenchu game for Activision? Yeah, it was really like Tenchu famously Wrath of bad Heaven too. Yeah, yeah, I think it was really bad. <laughs> yeah, so it's not too off brand for them to make a ninja game for Activision. It's like, eh, this yeah, this checks out. Hmm. Yeah. All right, yeah. Kevin, tell us about Mass Effect. Tell us about what what you've learned. What I've learned. What have you What have well, you learned I've, investigating these games? What have you um, learned about the ancients? The okay. uh... <laughs> I would say the most important thing that I've learned is not all writers 
are Bioware. I really have always felt like, oh, these other if people are gonna. I'm gonna get some hate mail for this one. Peep, these other writers who write games such as Assassin's Creed and The Witcher are like Bioware. They're not. My opinion. They are not at that level. I'm sorry to hate, offend anyone. I'm sure this is gonna. Some people are gonna hate me. But Wait, I don't. You're think saying The Witcher, Witcher. You're saying CD Project yeah. Red's writing in The Witcher Three, like which you have not played. No. Uh, I have played it. I played it for about six hours. Played. I got. You played about as much it. of that as I've played a Bloodborne. No, I played it way more. Excuse me. Excuse me. <laughs> but um, I uh, I just I didn't like their dialogue options as much. I didn't like where the writing mm. went. I think like I I don't think again this is not I'm not trying to hit the Witcher here. I'm just saying like I don't feel like a lot of people who tried the Bioware style are Bioware. And I think it's mostly because they only had a couple of really good writers. Because I'm also playing the new Mass Effect Andromeda, and those are also not <laughs> Bioware writers. <laughs> the original well, they, trilogy, they are like legally. Yeah, but they're not. They, they are right. legal. They are. I'll talk more about this in a second. And then it, Wait, what's it that? What, what was that? It's a, is book. It a novel. This is a novel by this writer. His name is Drew Carpishan, and he wrote Knights of the Republic, Jade Empire, Mass Effect One, Mass oh. Effect Two, but Ooh, not Empire. importantly, Mass Effect Three. Kind of want to play Jade Empire. And I Empire. think so. In my opinion, he is he is part of the reason that uh, the. Mass Effect games are really good and, and Bioware games are really good at that time because he was writing them all. He also wrote for um, mm-hmm. the game, Neverwinter Nights as well. Anyways, I just think that writing is very important in these kind of games. That's the point I'm trying to sell you here is I think the writers are important and, and I'm, I don't know. I just think the writing of this era was very good. So did, what You said something about CD Projekt Red sucks. They, they don't know how to write. No, I, I don't hate that. them. I just don't think that their style, which is clearly emulating Bioware, is at the level that I like. It's not. It's not what I like. Huh. It's, it's a different style of writing. What are the, the sort of things that like separate? Like, what are the things that make the Bioware style like uh, unique? So, in particularly, if you were to talk about the first Mass Effect, particularly, um, and Knights of the Republic, they're kind of this like, I don't want to say Star Trek, but it almost is like this like earnest, nerdy sci-fi writing. <clears throat> Excuse me. That I don't think they had with Mass Effect 2. Mass Effect 2 feels much more like a summer blockbuster. And I think a lot of games have since gone down that road. That is kind of like the way that things are. It feels much more Hollywood. I feel the same way about Dragon Age, actually. Dragon Mm -hmm. Age writing was much more fantasy Hollywood than when I call the... I don't... I can't... Like, I couldn't tell you I'm not like a perfect analyst of writing. But it just feels like the tone is very different. The stakes are very different. I feel like the stakes in Mass Effect, especially Mass Effect 1, is very earnest. And in 2, they are, but it feels much more of like, I don't know, it's just much more casual feeling. You know, like people are much more about like saying quippy one-liners and stuff than, it's, it's I think partially because they have a new writer in the second game, his name is Mac Walters, and he's also the one who did the Mass Effect remaster. Wow. And he, he also was the director of Mass Effect Andromeda. So basically, I've done a lot uh, of <laughs> research on who exactly worked on these games. This is kind of a long-winded rant, but basically, I think that they had something amazing in this time period. So replaying the Mass Effect trilogy has like completely reignited my interest in Bioware games. I think I'm gonna go back and play Jet Empire. Yeah, I was gonna say you should. It. That's supposed to be like their hidden gem. That's an awesome game. No one talks about it anymore, and it's awesome. Yeah, I should play it. I really I had, should. I had it on the original Xbox, and I loved it. I loved that game so much. Yeah, I've heard really, really cool things about I that game. I think it's on Game Pass, too, so... Yeah. It's not. But oh, it's not? It on, I didn't see it on that Game Pass, but maybe... It, I don't th- I don't know. It's only $10 on yeah. Xbox, so... Yeah. 
you could just I could just play it there. I also never played through Kotor two. I played a lot of it, but I didn't ever beat it. I know it's not really? by Bioware; it's by Obsidian. Yeah. But I, I, partly why I want to play it is this thing I'm talking about with the writing. I want to see if if Obsidian's writing is similar, if they emulate it, or if it's different. Because I know that they're of the same lineage, right? Interplay, Black Isle Studios. A, yeah. It, Bioware and them are both of that PC early era, like '90s PC CRPG stuff. You know, Baldur's Gate. All Baldur's that kind of Gate. So, oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 I think they're a little more hard-edged than, like, historically, and I think that's true also of, like, Fallout 4 and um, and that's the Old Republic 2, which I didn't play. But it, it, I believe they have, like, a little more cynicism, maybe. I can definitely uh, say yeah. that on that note, I felt like Bethesda's writing in, like, Fallout 3, but I never talked about this recently, is very similar. It's that kind of, like, earnest, nerdy tone, mm-hmm. whereas Fallout New Vegas is much more of the kind of silly goofy a little more cynical i think it works for fallout really well yeah. like it's not that it's bad but it's a definitely a different tone that you pick up on there i yeah. think it's I, maybe that is the same with my Tilder Republic too i don't know hmm. well i actually fun fact i actually played through knights of the old republic 2 like two years ago i want to say maybe yeah. three and i think what was really cool about that game is it was the first piece of star wars media that didn't treat good and dark side is like a binary like it was actually morally ambiguous and i thought it was like a really interesting take on star wars like what if what if we questioned the light side what if we questioned like the dark side and these greater philosophical arguments happening in the star wars world which i thought was super neat so i'm definitely an obsidian fan and like you see that in the outer worlds too the outer worlds a lot of what the outer worlds is about is just like what if we like like lived in this world where there were just no antitrust lawsuits and like these giant corporations just controlled everything which is actually kind of what how the world is right now but it's like a fun take on that so it's kind of mm-hmm. cool how they're able to make you even uh question binary choices i think as far as current with oh, go, go ahead gavin sorry go ahead no, no you're fine all right well i was well, just saying i was gonna say <laughs> go ahead go ahead dude go ahead i'm, I'm... That that basically fits with what with what Aaron was saying is like it's a little more of the cynical like you know kind of like that that I think Outer Worlds totally exemplifies that from what I played I actually like Outer Worlds a lot I'm gonna, I'm gonna play more of that so I think I really do like their style of writing it's just not the same as I think the Bioware style it's definitely different hmm. sure Th- that's that's literally what I was gonna say I was gonna say like <laughs> Outer Worlds is like the most current game that has come out in that 2000s style of writing that Fallout Three. Uh, Mass Effect 1 and Baldur's Gate, kind of those types of style games. Like, Outer Worlds had that same flavor, and it's one of the more current games that had it. Uh, Outer Worlds is a cool game. I think, I, I, th- I feel like I don't give it enough credit. It's, it kind of gave me everything I wanted, and I just like worldviews that are kind of deeply cynical, and there isn't a good side and a bad side. It's just uh, we live in this corporate hellscape, and this is the stories that are being told based on that premise and i just you, think you, that's really you kind of pick the lesser of two evils in that game like there's not really oh a good, sure a good way or a bad way it's kind of like which way is the best for the specific person i care about yeah it's great and also the gameplay of obsidian games is just super neat too because they they allow you to stat the game in a way where you can pretty much break it like the final boss in the outer worlds you can totally skip that whole boss fight if your persuasion skills are at 100 so you can just persuade yourself out of the boss fight and it's just stuff like that i think is really neat about obsidian games and i don't really That's think like there a are total other fallout yeah thing. yeah yeah, actually, yeah. 
It's, it's super neat. Yeah. Um, um, I really like, I guess, just like playing Mass Effect, like more broadly, not just talking about the writing. It's been really nice because I really like the pacing of those games. I realized, like, I've been playing a lot of homogenous. I've been playing very homogenous games recently, which is fine. That's my favorite kind of games. Basically, nonstop action games, first-person shooters, open-world sure. action games. But like, Mass Effect has a lot of downtime, a lot of like talking to people and exploring and doing quests like that involve just talking to people, not like fighting. And like, I find that I can play that much longer span of time because it's like more. It's not as fast, not as actiony, not as sure. intense. So like, that's been really refreshing for me. I know that like open-world games kind of do that, but they it's different. I think. Hitman. Um. What? Hitman. <laughs> You should start playing Hitman, but yeah. Hitman's different. Hitman's like a lot more of like puzzle solving in a sense. It's like you're solving puzzles by discovering and investigating. It's a different, pu- it's a different, different mm. thing. But I, I know mm-hmm. what you're saying. I, th- I think the pacing is, is similar in that regard of like, yeah. it's not well, all about just combat. Uh, I will argue though about Hitman. There's so many ways you can play that game. Like if oh, you yeah. want to kill everyone and be a serial killer, you can do that. If you want to... If you want to explore and be like a silent assassin, you can do that. If you just want to walk around and look at stuff, you can do that. <laughs> like it's there's yeah. so many ways you can Eavesdrop. play it. There's a lot of t- lot there, but anyway, yeah. So the thing that I think is cool about Mass Effect is I think that they they did a really good job building this world. I think the writing was perfect for like what they were trying to go for. They, like everything about it is is awesome. It's such a shame that that I, I really wonder what it would have been like if EA hadn't bought them because like playing mm. them again one to two the tonal shift is massive it is like huge like they're some like characters I'm different like, i don't even recognize this character yeah yeah it's like a it's, different fucking genre almost it, it really is um shepherd is like much more edgy and has all these one-liners for everything which is fun and like it works but it definitely loses some of that earnest feeling that the first game had which is a bummer because i really liked that that kind of vibe and you're also you're working for like cerberus in the second game like you know evil human corporation instead of like the alliance so it just it just feels it's very different um i i would have loved to have seen if the third game had been written by drew Carpertian or excuse me i don't know how you say his name exactly Carpertian. if he had written the third game i wonder what the ending would have been like i wonder if it would have been as controversial rgb not that i think he's the sole proprietor of it but i think he was a big part of at least the writing direction so hmm. So so about Mass Effect Three, uh, I have a, a gr- I, I'm in a Discord with a group of people who love Mass Effect and they just like always talk about Mass Effect, and they've been pl- replaying all of the games and they love one, they love two, and like a lot of them had a really rosy colored like a really rosy colored view of three and they remembered it being great, and all of them are like guys. I don't think Mass Effect Three is a good game, so so I wonder how you're gonna feel about about it, Kevin. I, so getting to it, I didn't like it back in the day when I played. Oh, mm. uh, okay. I thought it was bad. I didn't hate the ending like everyone else did. I just didn't think the whole game was that good. Like it introduces this new like Call of Duty character, and he's in your party, and he's like, like he's like just a wall of muscle and like nothing interesting about him at all. And you have to have him in your party. And I was like, I don't want this guy. Like, can I go send him to some planet to do? Like, I don't. It just felt like I, the, the time I was like offended by the tone. So I wonder now if I'm just going to be like, I hate this. I don't know. I haven't yeah. got to it yet. I'm not in a rush to play it. But I, I, I also kind of want to see what it's like at the same time. We'll so. see. Maybe I'll play through those games again. But like, it is kind of funny listening to people in the Discord. People who grew up playing Mass Effect, so they have a really rosy-colored view of 3. And a lot of them are like, man, this game is just not that good. <laughs> just straight up. So. It, the funny yeah. thing about, I think, those games in general is I forgot, like, God, this is such a hugely influential genre on video games. Like, these games in particular, I think, really 
brought the like CRPG, the dream of the CRPG into this action shooter format and made right. it so like tons of people could experience it. Cause it's like, there's, is there any know, CRPG I, left though? Cause I don't, I, I question that premise. Like I, I, f- I feel like they made it, it's a different type of game at that point. Don't you, do you think? They condensed or you? a lot of the like stuff down into smaller scope. But like, I mm-hmm. think the idea that you can like drive, you have this, this story that you can kind of drive and, you know, see where it goes along the way is definitely still there. I mean, that, there's no question that's still there. Right. Okay. Whether how that all plays out in the end is different story. I don't know about that, but like this, the, the, the fact that you have this control over this narrative while you're playing it. And like, I think that's, a big part of the CRPG experience is like that you have agency or what happens is definitely there. And I think that's been a big, like that's what everyone's about the Witcher, right? That's like the biggest, you know, the Witcher, you can do that. And, and, and everyone loves that about the Witcher. Like if, so it's, I think like that is directly influenced by Mass Effect. There's no question. Mm-hmm. Like that's, I, that was, yeah. I remember playing Mass Effect for the first time and being so blown away, just seeing shot reverse shot in the game. You know what I'm talking mm. about? Just like, like one close up of a person, then it goes back to the other close up, like a TV show. Um, I just right. thought that was so mind blowing at the time, and I kind of take it for granted now that video games just do that now. Do that all the time. Yeah. yeah. No. Used to be the 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 big zoom up to their face in Oblivion. <laughs> the terrifying right, exactly. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Stop right there, criminal scum. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Oh God. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> Did you have any other thoughts about... So, you had said I'm to still me... playing it. T- t- do you think that Mass Effect 1 or 2... Like, do you have a preference now? Has your preference for One. those changed? Definitely, yeah. yeah. My preference has changed. I remember back in the day, Aaron, Aaron had said, Mass Effect 2 is not as good. And I was like, no way, man. And I know why I said it back in the day. Because I was like, dude, I have like a story game that plays like Gears on my PC. Like, I've never had anything like this before. So, that was like a really exciting thing. And the combat in 2 is definitely more fluid but it actually feels almost more clunky to me now than the first game in a weird way is because they redid the first game more than they redid the second game. Oh, and like yeah. after playing so much Gears 5, which you can like you can get into cover while reloading and move to the right, like Mass Effect it's like you get into cover, you reload your weapon, then you move to the right. Like I've just gotten very used to this these modern fixes, so going to Mass Effect 2 feels like a very clunky 2009 shooter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I think the first game is the one. Yeah. In all fairness, though, for Mass Effect 2, I feel like that game's brilliance isn't apparent until, like, the last three hours. I feel like yeah. that's when and the I, game comes together. And mm. I definitely remember all that. And that's, I agree. That's, like, that was the, that was the moment that the whole game built up to. And they, the pacing was so cool in that regard. Because, like, you spent all this time building up to that moment. And when it finally happens, it's, like, it's awesome. Right. For sure. Yeah. All right. Uh, did you want to talk about the Old Republic? Uh, I've been playing that as well. It's basically like if WoW and and I don't know Mass Effect or I guess Ma- if WoW and Kotor had a baby. Really, it was what it would be. Mm-hmm. And it's been fun. It's actually like weird to do a quest that's fully voice acted and like you can choose whether like who dies or who lives and stuff. Like it, I, it makes questing, which we Aaron and I talk to a lot, and we all we all hate it actually fun for me like i really like that stuff. well actually we so, don't like, do it a lot because we hate it we almost never quest yeah well we definitely spent our time questing in wow still it's just but it's it, questing in wow is like the most like mundane but terrible gameplay in my opinion it's one of my least favorite like things about mmos is the awful questing like skipping through just yeah anyways i really like the way that they did it in star wars tour i like how it's all written out the amount of work put into that game is insane it has the most written dialogue and voice dialogue of any video game ever made 
which doesn't surprise hmm. me because it's like 11 years old now and they've been developing it for more than years. Divinity Original Sin 2. I mean, I guess it, I'm go. sure because it's I mean, there's like every class of the game has its own campaign story. So hmm. you can play male or female for every class for both sides. And oh, each one shit. has a full campaign. So that's like eight different campaigns with two different characters voice for each one. And they're hmm. long, like, like long, like it's a full hmm. game basically. So my girlfriend and I have been playing that co-op, and you can like choose who does what, like you, the party like rolls on what they want to do for the dialogue options. So it's it's pretty funny to see what she picks versus what I pick, and then who wins the role. It's it's been cool, it's fun. Cool. I'm enjoying it. The gameplay itself is just wow, basically. <laughs> All right, um, Ben, you want to tell us about your Valheim experiences? Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, I I kind of got onto the boat a little late because I know everyone's already played Valheim. They're already basically had their religious experience then moved on um yeah i finally decided to play it i've been playing with a coworker of mine and dude i i can see why people love that game it's it's pretty pretty damn cool like out of all the survival kind of open world survival games with like minecrafty elements to them this one's actually feels like it has like some serious rpg elements that are actually legitimately fun like mm-hmm. you, you can actually get into the combat of the game, the armor building. Like, what kind of armor do I want to wear for this kind of monster? The game's not even finished yet, and it feels like a really <laughs> solid game. Like it does. And I, I originally had said the same thing about the game Grounded because I'd played that. I played that back when it was in early access. I don't think it's. I think it still is in early access. But Valheim blows it out of the water still. Like, Valheim takes that same fun concept of, like, giving you a story to go along with in a open-world survival game that's procedurally generated, and it, it just is fun. Like, it, I, I actually want to go back and play it. I don't feel like it's a chore, and everything in the game just feels fun to discover. Like, it, you find these new biomes, you find these new creatures, you go into the dungeons... It's really, really cool. Like it feels like an an RPG game, like a handcrafted RPG game that has, that's all procedurally generated, but it feels handcrafted. It's really good. Yeah, my my experiences have been really positive with that game. I've only yeah. put maybe five or six hours in, but I like to spend more. Just yeah, I've probably caught up. I've probably it's put like a about PS one game, which it, I liked. The graphics are are kind of interesting mix. Like they have very mm-hmm. low resolution textures. But mm. with all the like post processing, post processing, yeah. it looks amazing. Like the game has a very kind of it almost reminds me of Fable, like the original Fable mm. one and Fable two game. Like it has a very fairy tale look to it. It's very mm-hmm. there's a lot of bloom, there's a lot of god rays. It's very pretty, and then, and then it, yeah, yeah, no, completely. And it it fits the aesthetic of the game. It fits the style of the game, and it looks really good. It it doesn't look bad at all. It fits the game perfectly, and it you can run it on any computer because of it. It's it's honestly a great stylistic choice for that type of game. And yeah, it's the world is really cool. Like the, the the detail of the world, the forests of the world look really natural. Like they I, I don't, whatever they use to put these these forests together procedurally look really good. They have trees that are falling over, they have trees that are that they don't look like copies, like copy paste copy paste copy paste. Like even Bethesda's forests look like in Oblivion and Skyrim. Like, these forests <laughs> look very natural, comparatively. And I'm very impressed with that. I'm, I'm constantly impressed with that, actually. It's a really, it's a very attractive game. Cool. I've only played it a little bit, but I really liked what I'd played, too. I was like, I want to play more of this game. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I played it for, like, 30 minutes with Aaron. 
I've put about, I don't know, probably 40, 50 hours in it so far. And nice. I've, I've only gone to three biomes, and there are so much more to go. And again, the game's not even finished. So, you know, there are there's the occasional bug, there's the occasional whatever, but the point I'm at in the game, I'm not encountering any, and I've got more than my money's worth for the game, which I think I paid $17 for on sale. Mm-hmm. Wow. It's, yeah, it's... It's a super solid game. It 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 has made me. I haven't played Grounded since I played that because I thought Grounded was super awesome. I was like, this is a cool game. Like, there's a story and, whoa, and this game just completely <laughs> took me away. It's it's got it's got the RPG elements I wanted. It's got the fantasy monsters. It's got the armor. Like, I, I just made full bronze and I'm I'm super stoked to find out what comes <laughs> after bronze. It, it was, it's like RuneScape. You're like, oh, bronze is my first armor, and it's like this feels like my first armor in the game, but. I don't know. There's probably something better than that. I, have, I just haven't found it yet. And I'm really stoked to build a ship and f- sail across the ocean and find out what's next because that's the option now. I, I have to sail across the ocean to another continent. And I'm super stoked about that. Hmm. Yeah, I'm going to have to spend some more time with that game. It's uh, an, That sounds awesome. awesome. Game. It's an awesome game. I mean, that the, the developer, I, I, I'm not really sure what else they've made. I, I think the developer is... Iron Gate, and I'm not sure what else they've made, um, but this is really solid game. It's really cool, and I'm super glad it's as popular as it is because I cannot wait to see what they make, what else they do. That's really is it cool. Gonna be developed I, I didn't know for a while. It's in early access, I think. Right? It is in early yeah. access. Yes. I didn't know it was seventeen dollars. That's awesome. It, I should oh, yeah, that, that was on sale. I, I think that was ten percent off. So I think it's twenty dollars originally. Twenty. But, wow. So it's it's a steal at any price, honestly, because it's it's a there's a lot to this game. Like you can replay the game over and over again and get a new experience each time. And with other people, you can I think you can have up to ten people per server, and that adds limitless things you can do with it. The game has a, a nice challenge curve too. Like it starts off and you're kind of like, this is easy. I'm just killing boars. I'm just killing deer. And oh, these little weird tree things that scamper through the forest. I'm just killing those, whatever. And then you get to the black forest, which is, mm. it's all dark and it's full of pine trees. Ooh, scary. Is it full of ham? It's full of, it's full <laughs> of ham. And, and I mean, you go into this forest and there's these giant, you, that's when you meet trolls. And trolls, mm. that, was, that was the point in the game where I was like, okay, this is awesome. Like because before that I was kind of like yeah this is fun this is okay this is cool yeah whatever it's cool and then I met the, and then I had the troll fight and I was like yeah yeah I, I I like this game I like this game a lot I like this game That's a lot sick. Mm-hmm. I really need cool. to try it um yeah it I, I'm kind of jealous that you're getting into it so much because now I'm like I should probably play it it's yeah, worth it's it on sale right now it's definitely it's worth Steam it sale cool it's it's super worth it like the, for that price it's I mean it's it's worth way more than that, but yeah, it's worth it. All right. Uh, Doom Eternal got an update. It, it no. Got its next, yes, Not Doom it got Eternal. Its, no. Doom Eternal got its next-gen update, and it got oh. a update on PC. So it got ray tracing, and it got DLSS. Um, and if you play it on an Xbox, you have three options, or on PS5 or Xbox, I guess. Maybe there's... Is it different with X and S? There's different options? Yeah. Okay. Well, long story short, you get a, a, a ray tracing mode that runs at 60 frames per second, or you get a 1800p 120 hertz mode, which is fucking crazy. Or you get 4K 60, which is not doesn't really make a lot of sense given those other two options, but they left it in the game. Um, 
The ray tracing is pretty cool. It just adds reflections. Um, I find that reflections are cool, but they're not nearly as transformative as uh, global illumination like you get in Metro Exodus, which really like sells these scenes in a way that, that is just kind of like mind-boggling. The reflections are cool, but the game already had like pretty good screen space reflections and cube maps and stuff. So like now you can see yourself reflected like you can see yourself like shooting and shit and you can see it's cool like i can run it with dlss and the ray tracing on at like the same performance that i had before without dlss or ray tracing um or i could just turn off the ray tracing and just get like a crazy high frame rate which is really nice for that game uh it, it looks really good on xbox um to get it to run at 120 hertz on my tv i had to do a lot of bullshit that made it just ultimately annoying and not worth it because I don't have an HDMI 2.1. I don't know. There's like some weird. It's funny like now like console users are going to experience some of the shit that like consoles don't traditionally have like weird like knowing what your hardware can do and like having to set your shit just right, which is kind of funny. Like it's I'm like, "Oh, like I had to like like go on Reddit to figure out how to make this shit work." Or actually Kevin helped me make it work, but Yeah. I don't know. Have you tried it, Kevin? Yeah. Uh tried uh see I got 120 FPS working on Doom Eternal on Series S. Yeah, and it How'd was awesome. That? Um, I was looking at the Xbox on the settings, and it told me that I that the Xbox tells you everything you need to know. Basically, it said that you can't do. It didn't say HDR, but it said that you can't do 4K and 120 because of hardware limitations. So I realized, oh, maybe maybe HDR is the reason because the game doesn't give you the option to turn off HDR. Mm-hmm. That's something that the Xbox games don't usually do. I found is you have to turn off on the console, then the game will ask you, oh, how would you like to play the game? What performance mode? So then I could change it. So that was what I had to do, was turn off HDR on my Xbox. It's a hmm. bandwidth limitation on the hardware. You can't have HDR 120. Unless you have HDMI 2.1, which is what the newest new TVs have. Although, yeah. ugh. Whatever. Yeah. Uh, long story short, it looks good. It plays well. You've got lots of options now. Um, the DLC, I, I've been replaying the DLC. The second DLC is fucking awesome. That first level, there's a few moments where there's like one moment where they just throw like a hundred imps at you all at once and you just like annihilate them all. You know, it's just like this crazy explosion of imp body parts everywhere. And uh, that was pretty fun. Like, like I, I'm thinking these DLCs, like the first DLC was fun, but has some problems. Like it's, it's a little rough. Some of those uh, specific enemy types where you have to do very specific things are just not even fun. Um, the second DLC seems really good. I don't know. Doom Eternal, still fun. I, I will say it's kind of funny. Um, like the reason why I was shouting no earlier is because I feel like Doom Eternal is becoming its own discourse because with like this game that it, like with the enhanced version that came out, I, I looked at my Twitter at all of my gaming influencers and there's already a discourse about the pacing of that game again and how the pacing is either like whack and just bad versus people who are like oh this is way better than 2016 so it's kind of interesting how there's like a low-key discourse with eternal um also my sneezes earlier i don't know if you guys heard that but i sneezed twice so if you heard yeah if you want to get a audio file of orange sneeze i will be selling those for twenty dollars uh you can send them to my paypal twenty dollars and you'll get an audio file audio file of orange sneezing um Uh, i think it was also an involuntary reaction to uh hearing about doom eternal again so dude doom eternal is fucking great it's a fun game having played through so okay they put doom 2016 on game pass a few weeks ago i wasn't even going to talk about this episode but i played through half the game again 
and it's still great still like a one of the best games ever made but doom eternal i just think is just better and i miss i consistently miss aspects of doom eternal when i'm when i'm playing doom 2016 even though i'm having a really good time playing doom 2016 which i think is like it's a really fun game to put it you know hurt me plenty difficulty and sit back with the controller on a tv and just blow shit up like it's it's great for that I've said a lot of negative things about Doom Eternal on this podcast, so I don't think I need to retread those lines, so I won't. Sure. Yeah, you're wearing a Doom Eternal shirt. Um, I am wearing a Doom Eternal shirt, ironically. I, I will say... I like, bought uh, this before the game came out. I just want to say that. Bought the shirt before the game came out. Didn't know what the game was going to be like. This was a 2016 expectations. And I also, for the record, don't hate Doom Eternal. I think it is fun. You don't like all the agility puzzles and stuff like that? No. <laughs> it's the jumping puzzles. Are, yeah, I can't stand them. I'm sorry. I, They're I, yeah. so much worse with a controller. Those jumping puzzles. Like, for, but I guess so it might just be my skill game. level. Oh my god! I found unnecessarily them to be like, in like incredibly unpleasant with a controller, just because I suck with a controller. Whereas with a mouse, I was like, okay, these suck, but I can do them pretty easily. Like I was just dying over and over and I was like this is not good it always looks so, weird to me too because he like claws his like he like claws into it like this like, like fucking lizard and he's like, <laughs> it's like what yeah. the fuck is going on here it's really not doom like like it no. feels very not doom yeah yes that's what I would say the whole game felt to me in a lot of so, ways so I have an analogy for you guys I would say doom 2016 is like a perfectly cooked steak like it's just like everything about it is just like really solid and really just fantastic. Doom Eternal is like that same steak, but only one part of it is cooked perfectly and it's cooked incredibly, just like exquisitely. And the rest of it's raw and is going to make you sick. That's where I'm at with Doom <laughs> Eternal. <laughs> and there's like, a couple like, worms in what there. Are you like, oh my God, there's a worm in here. I think yeah, this is yeah, horrible. Like, why does it it's keep like jumping? It's like a steak with some weird spice that's on part of it that like kind of is like. Hmm, I don't know about the spice. Like, yeah. Doom Eternal you know, is pretty fucking good. The, the, yeah. the yeah, one thing just, I want to say yeah, about that ahead. game that, that, I, that I just want to emphasize, the main reason I have all of the concerns I have is that my concern is the future of the franchise is going to have all of these mechanics I don't like. That's yeah. really where it comes from. Yeah, like, say, I'm yeah. more concerned about the future than, than anything else. So. Yep. By yeah, the way. Get, ri- get rid of the swimming. Get rid of the puzzles. Get rid of like the crappy story. And just give me the good combat. That's all I want. Homogenous. Because yeah, the combat is fucking incredible. It is. That, that That's the great part of the steak that's, like, exquisite. Yeah. It's just the rest of it that I, like, could do without. But anyway. Most which, most of the combat. By the way, Proteus, uh, which which very successfully channels uh, Doom 2016 and uh, Old Doom, kind of a kind of a middle point between the two, is on Game Pass now. At least on Windows. I don't think it's on Xbox, but it probably will be added. So check that out. Uh... I also played Lego Builder's Journey, which Oren was like, what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) Why? Why? So Lego Builder's Journey is a $20 game that has insane ray tracing in it. And um, I saw a video and I had to just try it. I played it for like two hours and I was kind of like, I think I'm done with this. But it's like a puzzle game that like you kind of just solve these little puzzles and you go on to the next world and you solve them by building Lego structures. So it's like Ben looks extraordinarily skeptical right now. Like the skepticism <laughs> I see on Ben's face is just out of this world. Uh, yeah. So it's a, what's going on, Ben? 
You want to, the, you they're ray something? tracing in a Lego game. That's that's mostly like why, <laughs> why, <laughs> why. It's a good question. Some ass uh, I recommend looking at a video of it. It looks like a Pixar movie. Like like it looks incredibly good. The graphics are insane. So the it's plastic just, blocks look really good. And they they light them in this really like dramatic way. So like Why there's just these scenes. Guys, you guys are haters, man. This this game is fucking Hey, gorgeous. I'm interested. I'm listening. Watch a video of it. I think you will change your mind. Like I recommend looking up okay. the Digital Foundry video right now. It's it looks it's insanely good looking. Um, you just solve little puzzles, you build little Lego structures. It's kind of fun. It's very boring. Uh, it's it's like a it's Wait, a game is it you kind of just... fun or very boring. It's, uh, like, it's, it's kind of fun. Exciting. It's very boring. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of boring. It's it's kind of fun, I guess, is maybe a better it's way to put it. It's kind of boring. It's very fun. It's not like a high excitement game. You're just solving little puzzles and watching these little Lego guys go from left to right. And you get this new is environment. It... The environments look really cool. Um, and it's it's hmm. just kind of a nice relaxing game to play. Kind of like that game I was talking about. Unpacked. Oh, you're right. Game. It does look like a Pixar movie. Whoa. It looks insane. Like it looks. It's one of the most impressive games it's, I've seen. It's like, like, it, oh, it just looks like Legos, but... What's what's that uh, old arcade game? What's it called? Corks or is it called Legos Unpacked? You said it's yeah, Legos Unpacked. What, what's, Lego what's Builder's Journey. It, it, it looks looks like an arcade game, dude. That looks really cool. Yeah, no, it, it's I, I it's a twenty dollars game. It's pretty fun. It's in, it's just so visually breathtaking, and some of the different worlds look really really good. And they have just like this incredible lighting, and the way the lighting all comes together with the ray tracing is really nice. So it's just kind of a fun visual experience to play that's totally different from Doom Eternal or Sekiro. I, that, that's when for I want sure, a game yeah. that's not going to stress me out before bed. Yeah. You know what? Maybe see. Think of when I look at it. I don't know why. It's probably nothing like it. It reminds me of Steven's Sausage Roll, even though it's probably nothing like that game. That's a game that will stress you out before bed. Oh uh, yeah, and, and that's that also a game with tracing. garbage graphics. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really, really singed that sausage. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna have to check out Lego Builders. I'm sorry I doubted you, Aaron, but you sold. Did you me. see the video of it? it looks Not really yet, good. but it, it has oh, incredible it, post-processing it, and shit. It, it has it really good. Really, it's pretty damn cool. I, th- I think I think the Pixar comparison is really solid. I think that that fits it real. I mean, it literally yeah. looks like a Pixar fucking movie that you're playing. Yeah. yeah. So it, it, yeah. it's 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 pretty astounding. It um, looks like a Pixar fucking movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, Lego, the Lego guy doesn't have any arms, so I'm assuming he doesn't have a dick either. So it's going to be kind of a little... okay. Or, or he does, and he doesn't have arms. You never know. <laughs> uh, all right. That's that's enough of Lego builders. Uh, Oren. Yes. You've been playing games. What are you playing? Yeah, What's I this uh, remnant. I guess I guess the theme of uh, of my game selection this this week is. I've just been playing a bunch of multiplayer Game Pass games, specifically recent updates. So I've been playing Remnant, been playing Gears 5, and I've been playing Destiny 2. And uh, just to kind of go through them super quickly, uh, Gears 5, I've been playing Operation 7, which has been a lot of fun. Um, The big thing I noticed with this operation is... If somebody leaves your team mid-round, he he or she will be replaced with a bot. Uh, to play alongside you um, until a new player enters, which is great. So it keeps it at five on five. And the bot AI is actually really challenging. Like, okay, they, I was going to ask. Re- it, they just they they just are really good at hitting their targets. Like sometimes they're better than the players themselves. So 
That's pretty cool. Anyway, hmm. Gears 5. Uh, are you guys playing any Gears 5? I, I want to get back into I, it because we love, love playing the verses. Yeah. It's really fun. I should get back into it. We should do it. Let me play it. Play some shotguns. Yeah, we should. Play some BVP just versus. It's fun. Yeah, yeah. 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 I'm, we can do shotguns, Kev. Uh, I was playing through the Hive Busters update again because I wanted something that was just like... Shoot shit. Ostensibly easy, you know, like like a little more straightforward sure. than... Cause, like, I'll talk a little bit about this later, but I've kind of been developing this, like, quick resume playlist where I'll, like, have, like, four games in the mix and I kind of switch between them. And, and I've kind of got them curated between the sort of, like, high stress, low stress, fun exploration. Have um, we talked but, about quick resume on this podcast? And how a little great bit. it is? Okay, it's, I don't want a tangent. I'm sorry. I just, quick resume is the shit. That's almost it's It's... Yeah, it's it's an, keep it's, going. Honestly, it's changed the way I play games. So yeah, I played some high busters. It was fun. I guess it's kind of it's like very easy linear shoot people in the head, minimal thought, not a lot of stress. Yeah, I mean Gears Five. It's like the thing about Gears Five is sometimes the multiplayer is really stressful. So it's good to just play the Hive Busters, which is fun. I liked Hive Busters, but uh, yeah, I think Gears 5, uh, one of my biggest pet peeves earlier was just I would hate playing matches, and then uh, three people would just leave, and it'd be two on five, and it would just be so annoying. So it's nice that they at least supply you with bots, so you have a sense of a battle happening of five on five and not just like two on five. So I think that's a positive thing they've added. Um, but yeah, Gears 5, yeah. it's always good. It's good. It's super solid. I love it. Mm-hmm. It's like um, very underrated game, I think, because it is. Oh, yeah. given how like high quality the multiplayer is, how incredible the graphics are, and and how well executed the single player is, it's strange that that game got so little, yeah, like, buzz. I think it's finally getting some buzz because um, the Hive Busters was great. The operations have been really fun. Uh, game Pass has been great. I think it's also really helped that it's optimized for Series X and S. So I think it's developed a player base kind of late in the game, but it's mm. super good. I've also been playing Remnant uh, from the Ashes, which is a really cool mixture of Resident Evil 4 and Bloodborne, where you get to play with a couple of other hunters and just shoot stuff and kill bosses. And the reason why I'm playing is because it got it just recently got a 60 frames per second patch on Xbox, and it looks great. Uh, so I'm having a lot of fun with that. If you want to check out Remnant, if you love Bloodborne, but you like kind of want to shoot stuff and not just do melee, Remnant's the game for you. And the last thing I'm going to say is uh, I finally crossed 75 hours in Destiny 2, which is like kind of embarrassing, but that game's fun. I like it. <laughs> but that's where nice. I'm at. I also cool. crossed 110 hours in Hitman 3, so got a couple benchmarks queued up. <laughs> yeah. Impressive. Impressive. Man. I didn't know they track your hours on the Xbox. They, you can. Tom Howard. so cool. You, you just check the achievements section, and you go to stats, and it tells you exactly how long you've been playing a game for. Oh, I should check that. That's cool. It's pretty neat. Sometimes it's a little embarrassing where you're like, oh, What's man, your most I, played game? Hitman three. Hitman three. But um but then again I just recently got my Xbox. But Gears five is pretty much up there as well. Um actually I think maybe I played more Gears Five than Hitman Three, but I've been playing and then Destiny Two, just the fact that I did seventy five hours is kind of mind blowing to me considering that 
just a month ago, I would have been shit talking that game. <laughs> so. Yeah, for sure. I think I have like 200 hours in Gears 5, which was kind of shocking to me. And I had over 100 hours in Flight Sim, but I'm like, how much of that is patching? <laughs> yeah. oh, Seriously. Yeah. That's so true. Sounds about right. <laughs> um, all right. So on this Game Pass thing, they added uh, like everything from Bethesda to Game Pass. I, everything that Bethesda's done since like 2004, I think. Nothing from the 90s, but almost every Bethesda game is on Game Pass. And I, I spent a kind of large amount of time playing Dishonored 1, it's DLC. Dishonored 2, I didn't spend as much time. And Dishonored Death of the Outsider, I spent a fair amount of time. And I've put about 10 hours into Prey. Uh, all of these games are fucking amazing. Like the thing... The thing I love about Dishonored is that it is a first-person game that is not really a shooter. Like, I don't spend a lot of time shooting. I spend a lot of time doing other things. And, like, like I it's, it's engaging me in a different way. And I, I really, like, I love stealth games. It's weird. There was, like, a time where I did not like stealth games. And I think because there just weren't as many good ones. But, like, I love a good stealth game now. Like, those half the games that I'm playing are stealth games. Dishonored's great. Dishonored 2, I think, improves on the original Dishonored in a few ways. It also looks better. Um, although I guess it's questionable. Like, Dishonored 2 adds some options to sort of, like, non-lethally take people down from high places, which can make you a little more powerful than maybe you might want to be. But, like, the takeaway from Dishonored 1, 2, Death of the Outside of the DLCs is that the level design in those games is just top, like, top of the fucking you know top tier like the best of the best the clockwork mansion and designer 2 it's like iconic at this point i don't remember a lot of the levels in dishonored one you should try death of the outsider it, it's okay. got 60 hertz on it's or it's got you know fps boost it it plays really nicely with the controller and has really really memorable well-designed levels like the thing that those levels do that's so good is that they keep going higher and higher and you always think can i go higher and then you just you can go higher and there's more up there there's more things to discover and they sprawl out in these like tendril like directions in all sorts of different directions so there's like lots of ways to like move around and traverse a level and it's like playing through it a second time i'm really playing through it very differently and i'm like noticing things i didn't notice the first time and i'm like this is this is great um prey definitely playing through it a second time has confirmed it is top 10 all-time game for me like there's something about games where like a big portion of the game is me like collecting stuff and bringing it back to a base and then hoarding it is like a thing i like like that's (laughs) what i did in stalker like, Stalker is all about taking shit back to the bar and putting it in my little locker and going out on these little excursion missions to, like, solve problems, get some more supplies, and, like, chip away at the story. And I do the same thing in Prey. Like, I love the crafting system in Prey. I don't mm-hmm. always love crafting systems, but, like, the Recycler and the uh, Fabricator are such a compelling... Ben, have you played Prey? I've not. Oh, you should you should check it out. Uh, it's basically, I, like, Bioshock 4... Three, four. <laughs> I like okay. Well, I don't like Bioshock Three, but I like the way you're describing it a lot. Bioshock, f- not Infinite. Bioshock Four. <laughs> okay, okay. So it's like yes, if there was a new Bioshock. So, so if you, you when you say Bioshock Three, that no, but Bioshock Four, I'm I'm ready for the next Bioshock. That's for sure. Me too. Oh, then you want Prey? Well, I mean, Prey. so here's Prey. the thing: like Prey is way less bombastic in its story. It doesn't have 
the same kind of like big characters and like big like the story's a little more uh, realistic I suppose like it, it takes place on a station outside of the moon where they Ooh. had at some point in human history discovered a form of alien life that they're studying and like I think that the aliens the Typhon like I didn't love them when I first saw them but like they've really grown on me and I think that they're actually they're really very cool. compelling yeah, really. like realistic type of alien life and like like all of the inhabit like every room in this station has a story and a history to it. So you walk into that room and you can find out who was there, what they were doing and like how they died and what, like what, un, what they mm-hmm. were, you know, their lives were like there. And it's like extremely rewarding to do that. And it's all stuff that you do through environmental storytelling. Ooh, so it's not and the like, station is awesome. It's so fun to explore. It's I, such a good station. And I'm it's looking at Google sci-fi. I'm looking at Google <laughs> images right now and I'm getting pretty stoked at it. Like, and that's just Google images. So I, I like what I'm seeing and I like the art deco sci-fi. Like, I've yeah. never seen that before. I, I saw that in one Kickstarter game that I don't even remember the name of anymore. That was like five, six years ago. And I'd love to see that again. So Ray is like, on ba- this it's basically like a new System Shock. That's really what it is. It's System Shock, yeah. More, I mean, it's System so Shock, yeah. I'm playing this game different. The first time I played it, I played it like with guns and a lot of uh, uh, Typhon neuromods. I'm playing it now intentionally avoiding using firearms. So I'm only using the wrench, the glue gun, um, and I'm like maxing out my ability to like kill with the wrench and stuff. And the it's wrench. totally changed how I play the game. Like I have to play it like Alien Isolation where I have to sneak. And sometimes there's like an area where there's like one of the bigger Typhon. And I just, I have to go around that area because I can't fucking kill. I'm also playing on heart. So it's like the difficulty's ramped up. And it hasn't made the game, it's made the game like way more engaging. Like if I want to take out one of these bigger Typhon, instead of just running in there with my shotgun and shooting him three times, I have to set up a trap, lure him out, and then like tr- snare him in the trap and like fuck him up and have like a really like well executed fight that's pulled off well. And it's like, oh my God, this is is this, is, is this a linear game? No. Ooh. I like that. Yeah, it's like that, Bioshock. That, you can come back and explore and that, stuff. That, tickle, that tickles me the right way. I like that. Um, it's Metroidvania. And, and, and I like the wrench thing. That That's a throwback. You know, would you pick up, would you kindly pick up a crowbar or something and it's a wrench? A... <laughs> Dude, I'm, I like the sound of this game. This looks cool. Yeah. It's like I said, it's, it's one of my, I would say top 10 all time games for me. It's really good. Uh, Sick. Totally. I, dude. I, I'm having a great rape, uh, a great replay through it. It's, it's on, uh, game pass, all that. What else is there to say about that game? I don't know. I like, I, I'm just reminding myself how much I love it. You have said a game. lot about it and you've now given me the, in- I, I want to play it. I want to play this game now. Thank you. It's a Ben game, I think, for sure. Thank you. Yeah, from what I know of, of your taste, I think you would definitely enjoy this game. Um, speaking of, of System Shock, the System Shock demo, let's talk about the history of this real quick. Ooh, Night yes. Dive Studios did a Kickstarter in 2016 to remake System Shock. They raised a million dollars, and they started making it. And they hired people, former Obsidian devs, to help work on, to help, to help work on the game. They hired the original art I want to say, I believe the original art director from System Shock to do modern art design so that it stays faithful. And then at some point, they're like, wait. They got the, wow, that's cool. Yeah. I didn't know that they had a looking glass. I could be wrong about that, but that's, I believe that's true. Uh, They, they, um, they started going, at some point, they're like, okay, we're going to switch engines from Unity to uh, Unreal. Unreal. And they had put out a demo on Unity that looked very much like a 3D version of the old game, which the old game came out in 1994 and has very, of its time graphics and art, we'll say. So 
so they started like going down this road where they're like making a game that looked a lot more like maybe Dead Space. I mean, it was still going to be System Shock, but the graphics looked a lot more generic. And they were like adding all this stuff to it. And they're basically making their own game. And it was like yeah. Kickstarter people were getting pissed because it wasn't what they wanted. And it was like clearly eating into their budget. So like, I think it was two or three years ago, they're like, you know what? We're putting the project on hold and we're going to reboot it in a week. And they started over and totally candidly said, you know what? We realized we're going down the wrong route. We totally were like making the wrong game. So they went back to like basics. They had lost all the people that they had hired from Obsidian and they got these people to come back. And they started making the game on Unreal 4 along the same vision of the original demo, which is much more in line with the way the game looked before. And so they put out a demo this year and like, I don't know if I could imagine the demo like being much better. Like, like the demo was so perfectly what I would want from a System Shock remake. Like it preserved the look and feel of the game, slightly modernized the level layout. It modernized the controls enormously. So it feels like a modern game, but it didn't turn it into a shooter or anything like that. Like it still plays like System Shock. You played it, right, Kevin? Yes, I played it, and uh, <clears throat> I the first thing I noticed about it, other than that it looked awesome, was that it still looked like pixely, like the, the like the UI and stuff still looks like a game from 1993. It's like a modern game from 1993, which was awesome. But yeah, I lo- I really liked what I had played. I was like, <clears throat> I liked it so much that I didn't want to play much of it because I just wanted to play it when it was out. Like I didn't want to spoil much in the demo. But <clears throat> I lo- like the just I like wrenched a couple robots and mutants down and then shot a couple guys who went into cyberspace did the Star Fox kind of stuff and then I was like okay I shouldn't play any more of this because like this is this is amazing I'm gonna love this game because I really like System Shock 2 I played through that probably like six years ago now and I thought that was like amazing I was like oh I see why this why Bioshock how these are related these are this is definitely a similar thing but I always wanted to play the first game but I uh, never did so now I'm just gonna wait for them to release this awesome version and I'm glad that they got back on track because I really like and respect Night Dive and like I, they definitely lost some respect for me when they started doing this like remake with this just not not the same game that they promised initially. So I'm glad that everything's back on track and it looks basically better than ever. So. Mm-hmm. When does this uh, game come out, or when this do they summer. project it? It's, it's supposed oh. to come out at the end of the summer, and just today oh. they released six minutes of gameplay footage. So they're definitely like seem to be on track it's supposed to come out i think around august and it will be on consoles and pc so you everybody wow it'll be on previous gen consoles so everybody has access to it it's, it's not like a super high like the graphics look great and they have a lot of style but it's not like a fucking high super high spec game you know it's kind of that's kind of wild because I always kind of considered the System Shock remake to be like that game that's just never going to come out. Like it's just going to be delayed forever. So the fact that it's coming out is kind of rocking my world a little bit. <laughs> no, it's 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 I, that's what I thought too. I thought it was a lost cause after they basically went down that like road of just trying to make a completely generic different game, uh, and then like announcing that they had spent all their money and all this stuff. But like they had been live streaming their development, which I'm sure helped fun the game because if you're streaming on twitch people can leave you tips um and just based off the demo and the gameplay and the things the sort of candid nature of what the company has said about the project and they've really owned up and taken responsibility for like yeah we fucked up and we got right back on track like the demo is so in line with what i would want that game to be that i have really you know i have a lot of faith that that they're going to deliver system shock this year so that's 
fucking awesome. It's really cool. You know what else comes with this too? They announced. I'm not sure. I hope it's still on track. I think it is though. Is they're gonna uh, re-release System Shock Two with full VR support. They're gonna like redevelop the game for VR. <laughs> That's so you can play through cool. System Ooh, Shock yeah. Two in VR, which sounds awesome. I remember the last time I played System Talk System Talk Two. Kevin was with you. Remember we, we yeah. played that. We got trapped in that. Bit. We got trapped in that. Those tunnels full of the gas, and we never got out. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. So I think System Shock Two and VR could be really an awesome. Treat. I'm stoked for that. That'd be cool. <clears throat> Playing those kind of scary games in VR really—it's a whole—it's a whole other experience, especially with an immersive sim, which is a mechanically deep game with all sorts of systems and stuff you know literally in this case uh <laughs> very very awesome mm-hmm. so that's that's what i got there uh ben what is this x anima <sighs> have, have any of you heard of this game is that still in development no. I that's, that's, it's that's <laughs> isometric rpg from like you told me that like 2013 yes. I say. <laughs> it's still it's, so i was an original kickstarter to this back in 20 12 or 20 maybe it's 2013 i think it's 2012 actually wow and it the game was originally called sue generis it's sue generis that's right and so heard of this so in the process of creating sue generis they decided to make a side game with the same same engine same world same everything but create a a self-contained dungeon crawler game that they could release to get some funding so they can create continue to create their game that game is Xanima. And it's they have continued to update it. It's it's changed immensely since they first released it back in I think 2015. And it is an awesome game. I still I go back to that game and I replay it and I just replayed it a couple days ago, including last night. And I I just I love it. It is it's so fun. It it is it is the mo- I don't I can't really compare it to any other game because it does its own thing. I think Divinity is kind of a close comparison in the sense where in Divinity you can move environmental objects to to like change the environment slightly. In this game, it's all physics based, so you can pick up items in the environment and move them, and that can like you can literally trip enemies. Like enemies will trip over a box and like fall on the ground. You can hit them in the head. This game. So if, if do you remember Kingdom because Come, it's... Kevin? And, and that's and, the game where you the, you stab the blacksmith and he was like, uh, uh, like so <laughs> so this game has has a similar idea with the combat where you kind of swing your sword however you want but in this game it's all physics based so depending on how you swing your sword or how you turn your character like the sword will hit differently and and if you're far enough away you'll like you'll slash the character with the tip of the sword you'll hit them with the the butt of the sword and that'll cause different types of damage and in order to damage a character with armor on you have to hit them in between the armor so like if if, oh, they have a, they, cool. if if they have a helmet yeah. on, you have to hit them in the neck to get like a to get like that series of damage. Otherwise, you're just doing blunt damage to them. And that's it. It's just it's it's hard to explain this game because you have to try it to get this full experience. It's really fun. It is a very very dedicated dungeon crawler. Like you have you have to have a torch. It's very dark. There's very few environmental lights. So. The game, it's not like Oblivion where it just has these inexplicable lit areas that have no reason oh. to be lit. Like, <laughs> you have right. you have to have a torch. And then the enemies are, and there's a lot of very deep lore that dis- that kind of explains why the enemies are there, who they are, what they are. And the further you get into this dungeon, the further you crawl into it, it just gets, the, the mystery gets deeper and deeper and more kind of twisted. And it's, 
it's only gotten better because they, with each update, they they release more of it and they release more gameplay. They they introduced magic recently, so the game it's a low fantasy game. So it's it's in a very like starkly medieval world, but with like like low fantasy elements to it, such as magic. And in this game, the magic is kind of like it's mind magic. They call it, they call it thaumaturgy, and it's you can use it to influence enemies to like either make them passive or to make them aggressive to another enemy. And so far, I haven't really gotten any further in the magic than that. I haven't really. I usually, up. I usually upgrade my fighting abilities more than my magic, so I haven't really done a lot of magic yet. But it's it's pretty damn cool what you can do so far, and and the game's only going to get better than that. And again, they're continuing to release updates, so I think the next upcoming one is going to have more magic and more involved stuff like that. And the fur the the deeper you get into the dungeon, there's you meet there's like a big bad, like a big creature you meet, and. I haven't, I, I got, I fought that creature years ago when I got there, and I haven't got to that point yet, because that's really far into the dungeon, and they've added, like, more levels before him now, so I'm kind of, I'm kind of scared, because I don't know how they've changed him, so, I'm, I'm very excited, like, this, this game, th this recent update is really cool, they've added a lot of new stuff, they've added a lot of new places, and... I, not enough people have heard of this game, and it's really awesome. Like, it's a really, really cool game. It's not expensive. It's really cool. And when the full game, Sujaneris, comes out, which is going to be an open-world game, hmm. like, basically, Baldur's Gate, if it were not... If it were real-time, physics-based combat, like, it's it's going to be awesome. I'm super stoked for it, and I, and I have full faith in this company, despite how long it has been. <laughs> a decade! Despite how long <laughs> it has been, I still have full faith in them, because their updates are are great their their game is great and it's just it's a lot of work and you can see all the work that's been put into it i love the way I the light that. looks in this game it is beautiful this game is stunning like the lighting is very beautiful this the shadows are very dramatic and it's very creepy like the because of the lighting the environment is very creepy and it's very it's very empty it's everything feels very old it feels very abandoned and you have these creatures that are just kind of wandering around. They they don't they don't really have any mind left to them, so they're just kind of they're they're kind of just there. They're not really doing anything to their environment, so they just exist. And the the music the the music in the game is actually something worth mentioning because it has a very it has a very like nineteen eighties horror movie element to it, where you you kind of have like that Halloween like the the themed song to Halloween with that kind of like in the background like sound that it's it kind of builds up and and i and i only really noticed the music in this current update it has a very similar element to that sound like a very retro horror movie sound to it but it fits perfectly with the environment and it's very unsettling and i hmm. I, I love it i love it like i love the music if i if i knew more about composers from that time period i would be able to compare better but it is it has a very retro vibe to it and it's very good that game had been on my Steam list, front, wish list for years, and they never. I was always waiting for it to go on sale, and it's never gone on sale. Yeah. But it's also only fifteen dollars. It's fifteen dollars. Like, yeah. It's not to, really. To be fair, I I actually have a ten year old key which I can give to somebody from my original <laughs> Kickstarter. So I have one oh, wow. key I can give away, and I've never given it away. So I I could probably give now it. Hold to you. on to that. Hold on to that. <laughs> I'll, take it. I'll take that. I could probably give it to you, Kevin, because I I just keep forgetting I have it, and it's just it's sitting in my account thing on their website. I might as well give it away. I had been wanting to try it back when you showed it to me like years ago, and when you were in the garage, I remember. 
on your computer. The game like has forever ago. The game has become so much better than that. And yeah, I feel like you would like it, Kevin. I mean, it's it's yeah. isometric, but you can get really you can zoom in a lot. There's there's puzzles. There's a very big puzzle about halfway through the dungeon that you have to use the physic and you have to use environmental pieces to get over these traps, which lead you to this armory in the middle. And it is really hard. Like you have to really like use your noodle to like figure out how to get these levers to to sit in the right place to have to get the floors not to collapse under you. Or it's it's fun. Like it's it's a legitimately a good game, and it just gets better. Nice, very nice. I'll try it out. I'll have to try it. I highly recommend it. Yeah. I I have one more game I want to bring in just because. Ben was talking about like how specific the melee combat in that game is. Have you guys played or heard of Chivalry 2? Mm. It's like Yeah. It is I haven't been playing it, but I've just been watching a friend of mine play it on Twitch. It's probably the stupidest game I've ever seen in my life. But <laughs> I just wanted to bring that up. If you want a game where you are just playing with a bunch of knights screaming and just cutting people's heads <laughs> off and just running in and it's just bloodshed and stupid. <laughs> That, that just that came is, out, right? That is the game, Chivalry yeah. Two. Yeah, it's hmm. it is it is the dumbest multiplayer game I've ever played, but it's pretty hilarious. If you ever if you ever want to check it out, I'll definitely yeah, I might want to check that out. It looks like I don't know what separates that from Mordheim, which is a game that my little brother is like. Oh, they're kind of the, about. They're kind of the same game. Your <clears throat> um, your little brother being Mordheim, Kevin? yeah. My other little brother. Oh, my, okay. my younger brother. My little brother who's who's actually bigger than both of us, but um Oh, oh god. <laughs> but he's he's young. It's one of those games younger that advertises brother. itself as being deeper than it is. Like the advertisements make it seem like a deep, like medieval sim, but literally it's just like running in screaming with your sword and just like <laughs> dismembering just people fucking and shit up. Blood everywhere. Yeah. I, I <laughs> it's dig just that. stupid. Uh, it's funny. Is though. it first it's person? Because yeah, like, okay. It's first, first person. I th- I think it, yeah, it came out like I want to say a few weeks ago, but it's just I think it's kind of turned into something of a, of a phenomenon because it's just like it's like playing Gang Beasts, but with medieval mm. swords where you're just killing each other and it's just stupid, but fun time. Hmm. All right. <laughs> uh, so here's a question: 2021 hasn't been a big year for new triple a games or even necessarily indie games how are you guys finding this just fine yeah yeah just fine for me in particular like three there were three games that i was super anticipating that came out this year hitman 3 resident evil village and near replicant so like even though i haven't had a ton of new games to play those three games just were so good then i i think i'm okay yeah um i i played hitman and i played resident evil as we all know um and and you know i liked him but the fact that there hasn't been like this fomo whatever this feeling like i should be playing the newest latest game is really i have caught up on my backlog like really well i've been very like more effective at, at doing that than i think i have been in the last few years part of that is because of quick resume uh, I swear to God, like the ability to have like three or four games constantly loaded into quick resume that I can just jump from game to game at any time and make a little progress and then jump out to the next game and leave it exactly where I was has like uh, 
been very good for my catching up and my backlog. Uh, I'm I'm gonna ask like, can you describe Quick Resume to me because I'm getting a gist of it, but like, what 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 is it? It's the shit. It's the shit. Yeah, it's so, always so, the shit. So, so. <laughs> okay, no. Quick Resume is a feature that is on the new series consoles, the Xbox consoles, that basically stores four to eight save states of games that you're playing that you can instantly, effortlessly switch between at any time with about a five to ten second load between. So oh, I can literally okay. go from Hitman 3 to Sekiro to Gears of War 5 to Prey and back with about five to ten seconds between lag between each game. And it doesn't bring you to the load to the main menu. It brings you to literally Directly. the second like like you pause the game and then you come back to it. Okay, so so it's basically like wanton gaming. You can just go jump to right to capriciously playing any game you want. Okay. Shit dude. I mean four to it's eight at a time. It's way better in practice than it sounds too. Like walking over to my couch, turning my controller on and just pressing A on the game and I'm like there. I don't have to watch all these stupid unskippable splash screens. I don't have to go to load game or the menu, watch this thing all come up and you're just there. You play immediately. Like that is the shit. The other thing about it is what Aaron's saying, you can switch between games. And I, the thing I didn't realize is I'm on a Series S. Playing disc games with Quick Resume would be a, such a bummer because you couldn't really switch between them anymore. So I just thought about oh. like, oh yeah, my friend mentioned like I'm not. He's like I don't really want to use disc games like buy physical media for this Xbox Series X because it kind of defeats the purpose of Quick Resume. And I'm like, oh, you're so right. I didn't even think about that. Digital all the way, baby. Well, yeah. Quick Resume, Quick Resume is meaningless to me because I don't have a Series X or S. So, but it sounds really cool. I I like the sound of it. That sounds really cool. Well, it's I'll, I'll the most next-gen feature of this gen, in my opinion, like by far. Yeah. Sure. I'm sure the DualSense is awesome. I haven't tried that yet, but I think Quick Resume is You don't have to put a new cartridge in or a new disc? Yeah, it just... Oren? Yeah, I was just going to say, like, to give you a quick anecdote as to how awesome Quick Resume is, um, I was playing Hitman 3, and I for some reason I just, like, set it down and I never finished the level I was playing. And I started playing Gears 5, and I straight up played Gears 5 for like six or seven days, something like that. And then I was like, I'm going to play Hitman 3. And I realized I just had Hitman 3 on Quick Resume. So I went back into Hitman 3, and I finished playing the level that I started a week ago. <laughs> it was like, that's how cool it is. You just have like yeah. this game just kind of on pause, on, on deck. And you can just get back to playing it whenever you want. Like, you can pause mid-boss fight and play another game for a couple days and then go back to the boss fight, and it's like nothing changed. It's pretty that's a, neat. That's a feature I was pretty much unaware of, so that's pretty damn cool. I, I like the sound of that. Yeah, it's, you don't have to boot up the game again. You can just jump right back in. No annoying splash art, as Kevin said, yeah. yeah. The splash screens in current-gen games are one of those nitpicks that I have that I just hate like i like will not play a game i will like not game because i don't want to sit through and watch all of the different you know audio teams or whatever apis they have sponsored by amd yeah amd nvidia i don't give a shit i'm gonna just press a and go to the game why do i have to watch all this crap i know why it's loading it's loading it's 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 like movies from the 2000s where it was just like 10 minutes of splat of like splash screens and then he finally got to the movie Mm. it's 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 unbearable it shouldn't take me two to three minutes to to get to get to a game and press a on it yeah. Like, I, we get to the menu, even. It's absurd. Cool. Yeah, well, that's, that's a that's trend a cool, I hope dies very soon. That's a cool trait. That's a really cool addition to the Xbox. I did not know about that. It's really cool. It also works with um, back compat games. So I could switch between Ninja Gaiden on the Xbox, you know, Gears of War on the 360, and, you know... A, yeah, a, it does. A, a Xbox, like, all, they'll all be stored in the 
in that, so it all works oh, together. Oh, sweet. That means Without I can switch any... between, like, Fusion Frenzy and SSX Tricky? Oh, sweet. Yeah. You won't ever have to hear, EA, challenge everything. And again, <laughs> fuck EA, <laughs> goddammit. EA thing. games. <laughs> boots so fast. I turn on my Xbox, and I and it's like, but it's like the Xbox is on the menu before my TV's completely right. turned on, and then, I yeah. quit, and then I click on the game, and I'm in the game in five seconds. So there's, like... But you know the time from my butt hitting the couch and hitting the Xbox button to me like slashing in Sekiro is like twenty seconds sometimes. Sick. That's nice. Like yeah. it's it's crazy nice. compared to my PS4, which it's like if I wanted to play The Last of Us Two, I might as well make like three cups of coffee. Oh man, <laughs> I, I, I remember I remember like waiting on loading screens for Oblivion. Like when I first had Oblivion, like the loading screens for Oblivion were like. 10 minutes you could get up so you could bad. you could get up and like start a family like like raise a kid to college and then come back and you'd finally be loaded to the outside world and you're like oh finally I remember, now i can play again i remember watching the little <laughs> bar move and it would like go and go and go and then we get like three fourths and it would sit there for like 15 minutes yep and, and, and like, then and then it would suddenly rush to the end and it's like yeah thank you or you'd get a discreet error and, it, it's, Xbox and it's funny because like Marwind loaded so much faster and then you had Oblivion which was just like no yeah way more, way more oh I wanted to mention I played Morrowind on Game Pass and they like subtly remastered it like it runs in super high res a high frame rate on the Xbox like it doesn't have any jaggies anywhere it still looks wow. like a game from 2002 Kevin you need to out. you need to fit 2002 yes 2002 uh, you need to play that game Kevin that was just you need to play. You, you need to Are play you talking all, about Morrowind? All the way. Kevin Morrowind. 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 Oh, oh, I think that game ran runs at 60 in, frames per second before. I think the it best runs game. In, well, it runs, it runs in high... It's it's super high res on Series S. It's, it's awesome. not a jag in sight. So it definitely likes... I mean, it looks like a game from 2002, but it looks really smooth for, for that. So it's like pretty... It's pretty smooth in that regard, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. I actually have a quick question, because I'm actually not really an Elder Scrolls person. What, what are your guys' favorite uh, Elder Scrolls games? Morrowind. Morrowind. Uh, Morrowind. Get ready for three different answers. Yeah, you're going to get three different answers. <laughs> Morrowind. Uh, in, or, in order of release, Ben, me, and then Aaron. <laughs> Morrowind, Oblivion, I mean, and Skyrim. Right? So, right? Wait, wait. Who, wait the, who, whose favorite is Oblivion? Me. Kevin. Kevin. Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah. I feel like um, I never hear Oblivion brought up in that debate. Obliv- like Oblivion's a really sh- like next stop for me. Like Morrowind, then Oblivion, and then Skyrim's like all the way in the back. <laughs> oh, oh interesting. I feel like most yeah, people love Skyrim too. the most, so that's interesting. Huh. Basic, basic. Overrated. Basic. Overrated. I think Skyrim <laughs> is the game that's the most basic. new player friendly. Yeah. Because it's it, it looks great. It plays pretty the least amount of mechanics. They basically RPGs. rubbed out all the good mechanics from all the other games yeah. and then made it yeah. just so like kids can play it, yeah. I, I think on paper Morrowind's the best game. I, I haven't really dip too deep into it. I understand what makes Morrowind better and I and I support those arguments. And the kind of stuff that makes Morrowind better I think is present in games like Dishonored and Prey and stuff like that. So like like it, it, it's it's doing the stuff that I love. I just haven't spent time with it. And I know that it's got some very archaic control schemes. It is it is a very like it is D&D in a video game because you literally yeah. do dice rolls with every slash of your sword like yeah. every single time. Oh, interesting. But if you can get past those mechanics, like it is a super deep, deep, deep game. Like like a, a random random fact. Every bandit in the game has an actual name. Like oh, every band, um. every bandit in the game is named, and the, and and their names fit into the lore of the world. That's I would wild. say like the way you could look at them too is like as they progress, they get m- more polished but less RPG. 
So yeah. like, oh, in my sure. opinion, Oblivion is the perfect balance of both of those because it still has a lot of the RPG. Not as many though. Morrowind has definitely got way more. I, I yeah. got the right yeah. amount. Skyrim really like dumbed it down. Too Oblivion, far. I, I Oblivion, do like, like perfected the combat. Sorry, Aaron, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I think the I was gonna say I think Oblivion's great. Also, I think they're all good. I mean, I I, I haven't played Morrowind. Uh, yeah, Morrowind, right? That much, but um, Oblivion's awesome. It's a great game. Oblivion's great. Mm-hmm. I will say I did play like a bit of Oblivion back in the day, and I remember the art style of that game being incredibly unique for its time. Like everything looked really luminous and fairy tale in yeah. a way that Skyrim yeah. kind of lost. I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah Marwind was very kind of high high fantasy. Oblivion went kind of mid fantasy, and then Skyrim kind of like went just Viking. It, it was just sure. it, it kind of lost all the the fantasy elements and went pure Viking. Mm. It was like Viking, but then the High Elves were super high fantasy looking. Yeah. The Thalmor yeah. or whatever. They're not very Yeah, nice. yeah, 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 you're right, yeah. <laughs> They're not. I yeah. mean, the, none of the guilds in, in Skyrim were interesting. That was the problem with no. me. Because the Marwyn guilds are really not. interesting, and the Oblivion guilds are really interesting. And then, then this, this, like, the Mages guild in Skyrim is like a total of five minutes long. Yeah, mm. <laughs> so lame. It I takes five minutes. It. You can't make yeah. spells in Skyrim either. I love that yeah. you can make like crazy spells in Oblivion, like shoot lightning, fire, and ice holes. In Marwyn, you can make a spell that makes you jump clean across the entire world. Like you can, yeah, you, so you awesome. can make such ridiculous spells that you can literally become god. Yeah. Is it worth playing the Xbox version of that game, or is it something I should just play? It on looks PC? really like, smooth. Is there... I would. Yeah, I don't know. I would. I would recommend. I would recommend the PC version because there yeah. are a lot of alternative things you can download for it. Marwind is, a, is an imperfect game, so yep. there are a lot of things you can download to make it a better game. And okay. there's mm. there's there's a I forget what it's called exactly. Um, there's a a graphic overhaul for Marwind, which makes the game look beautiful. Like Marwind's already kind of cool looking, which is very dated, but this game mm. makes it this this overhaul makes it look beautiful. It adds God rays, it adds um LOD, so you can see like that removes the fog of war, and so you can see all the way across the world, and it's it makes the game look very very attractive and that that would be worth it and then it also it also adds the oblivion magic hands so in Marwind you have weapon hand then you have magic hands so you have to put away your weapon and take out your magic hands to cast a spell yeah in in oblivion 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 removed that oblivion has it so you can have your weapon out and then cast a spell and in Marwind this mod makes it so you can cast spells with your weapons out which is a huge mechanic it, it changes the game completely, and it's in a very good way. Hmm. Yeah. So I would recommend PC. I'd, I would always recommend PC, personally. Yeah. All right. Uh, cool. Um, let's uh, let's do some personal recs and wrap it up, huh? Okay. Uh, ben, as our guest, uh, what what are you going to be uh, recommending this week? I I want to recommend a new band I heard. And this is unusual for me, because usually all of the music I listen to is from people who are dead. So this is a band. <laughs> this is a band that is current, though they have a very old sound. Um, the band is. I'm. I'm probably going to mutilate the name because they're a Swedish band. Their name is Halas. Halas, I think, and they're a hard rock band. So they have the, that kind of hard rock sound of the mid to late '70s, which which you hear in like in bands like Jefferson Starship or Rainbow, oh. and. This nice. the the sound that this band I mean they're they're current like they, I think their first album came out in 2013 their second in 2015 and they have a more current one I think that came out last year hmm. and they 
their sound is very like it has a very mono sound to it which i like like it sounds it, it sounds like the time it sounds like the 70s but they have they add a lot of flair and synthesizing and choral music and stuff like that that gives it a very modern effect and it's i i, I like it and that's that's rare for me because i only listen to music that i usually don't hear new stuff from so i'm pretty stoked about this band and i think they're worth listening to nice. cool very cool. Uh, Kevin, do you have a do you have a recommendation? I do. Um, I'm sticking with the Bioware theme, so I have a non-video game Bioware recommendation, which is the oh, yeah. uh, the book I showed you guys, Mass Effect Revelation. I, I read. I sat down just to see how it was, and I read 80 pages. And like, I haven't read a book in a long time. I used to be a big reader when I was a younger person, but I haven't since. So uh, I actually really like the way it's written. It's the same writer I was talking about. And I was talking about the Bioware games. So I wanted to see like what a book by a video game author would be like in a video game. Like, would it be good or would it be bad? But I think it was, like, very, like, I really like the way it's written. It still has that tone that I was talking about that I really like. Um, and it's not that long. I think it's, like, 300 pages. I've, I've already mm. read half of it. I'm trying I'm trying not to, like, just blast through it because it's not that, it's very, like, the writing is pretty quick-paced and fast. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you are trying to live in the Mass Effect world like I am right now, uh, check it out. It seems pretty cool so far. Cool. He actually wrote three books, this author. So Cool. All right. Uh, My recommendation is kind of an odd one. I'm just about to finish rereading The Catcher in the Rye, which is like a book that like everybody had to read in high school up until Mm -hmm. recently. I think they don't teach that in high school anymore. Uh, Certainly my younger brother and sister have not read it, but Mm. I think it's a pretty good read. Like, like I read it, you know, 20 years ago or whatever. And like now I'm reading it and there's like Holden Caulfield is like a strange character who's like obsessed with phonies and uh he's he's kind of having a little bit of a mental breakdown but like he's like like the way that he kind of goes through scene to scene in like new york in like 1950 i think is when it takes place like does a really good job of like setting a sense of place without giving an an excessive amount of detail like it does really sort of minimalistic sort of scene setting it's very evocative and ineffective um and it's kind of just a time capsule to like look at like the way people talked and some weird shit about like his consent. We'll say like I don't know. I, I recommend reading it. It's like a quick read. It's it's interesting if you didn't read it in high school. It's not not necessarily a masterpiece, but uh, but it's it's a good little way to jump back to 1950s New York City. Nice. So like the funny thing about Catcher in the Rye, I actually read it twice. I read it once when I was in high school in like. I want to say like high school, yeah, early high school, and I read it again when I was an adult in the Peace Corps. And the first time I read it, I would I like really identified with Holden Caulfield. I was like, wow, like this character like is so relatable. Mm-hmm. And then when I read it again as as an adult when I was in the Peace Corps, I was like, man, Holden Caulfield is such an incel. He's like the biggest incel in the world. So it's like he's a, he's a bit of an incel. That yeah. that was my opinion the first time I read it in high school. I was like, this guy oh, is such go. he's such an asshole, and like, oh my <laughs> god! I kept yeah. waiting for the plot to begin, and it never began. It's just it's just funny though, because it's like I like I clearly like changed enough and had a different perspective when I was an right. adult. Because like when I was in high school, I was like, wow, I identify with him. So it's like funny how you know. We we all grow up, right? We all grow we up. We do. Right. We do. And I mean, that is that is Definitely. the point of that book is is that the, that that phase that teenagers go through that apparently some teenagers get stuck to into their mid thirties these days. But um, 
<laughs> yeah, I don't know. The thing I like about it, like, it admittedly does not have a plot, is just that it's like, it really, I don't know, the scene setting, like, works for me a lot. Like, I feel like I'm going into these places with Holden, and it's interesting. But, uh, Oren, what do you got? Well, I don't know if you guys checked out HBO Max, but there's a new Steven Soderbergh movie, um, director of such great movies like Ocean's Eleven, Out of Sight, Logan Lucky. Um, great director. The girlfriend Experience. Girlf- uh, girlfriend Experience. So, uh, yeah, or Traffic. He did Traffic. traffic. Yeah, that's right. Traffic. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Wait, he did but, Traffic? Yeah, he did no, no, Traffic. No, no, Yes, okay, I'm right, yeah. Right. He, he's made a lot of great movies. He's like a big uh, one of like the big Gen X filmmakers that came out of the 90s. Um, he has a new movie called No Sudden Move, which is on HBO Max. And I got to say, I, I loved it. I thought it was a really great movie. I think what stood out to me the most is that it's a film noir, but it doesn't. I feel like a lot of film noirs these days, a lot of them either are very outwardly revisionist, like they're trying to be revisionist, or they're trying to be like really ironic and self conscious with the tropes. But with this one, it felt like a traditional straight film noir, but in a way that felt modern. And I thought that was really impressive that he was able to do that. Like it. It, like it obeys the tropes, but at the same time, it feels like a modern take on those tropes. So I was really impressed with it. Uh, also, it has a lot to say about capitalism and how capitalism is killing uh, the climate, which is pretty relevant. And I thought that was impressive, too. So great movie. No sudden move. If you have HBO Max, give it a shot. I'm going to add that one to my list. That sounds good. It's good. Yeah. Good time. Great cast, too. Like, Don Cheadle's in it, Benicio Del Toro, uh, Ray Liotta's in it, who I feel like I haven't seen. Brendan like, Fraser? While. Brendan Fraser's in it, which was wild. Like, when what? I, when I, Brendan yeah, Fraser. Bringing it back. Encino he's, Man. He's, yeah, he's, I love Encino Man. He's pretty fat now. Not to fat shame, but he's, he's, he's pretty, like, overweight now. But he was really good in the movie. He was mm. very entertaining. Um, yeah, that's the thing I love about Soderbergh movies is that there are always just these loaded casts. And, like, he'll just drop cameos left and right in a way that's really fun. There's a cameo late in the film that I don't want to spoil that had me laughing out loud. Um, but it's just, uh, it's a good time. Um, Sweet. Yeah. I had a lot of fun with it. So, no sudden move can on I, HBO Max. Can I cheat and make a second recommendation? Uh, if I no. can, too, yeah. Mm-mm. Go Ooh. for it. Okay. Uh, I also watched The Lighthouse, which was definitely an experience, <laughs> I think, worth having. <laughs> I don't know if I want you guys want me to say anything about it, but I... Yeah, let's I talk end. about The Lighthouse. Lighthouse spoilers for the next five minutes. Go. Uh, spoilers? We can have spoilers? Sure. This is fucking okay, ben, have you two seen hours it? into the podcast. I have not seen it, so don't okay, you fucking don't dare. Spoil, don't spoil. Don't you fucking ben. dare. Okay, okay so um, I just will say I enjoyed it, but I have some issues with it, but I think The Witch was better. Hmm. I like The Witch more. I think the yeah. style he was going for, he succeeded on. The I Witch is the really solid. The plot didn't do it for me, but I think like the vibe, the atmosphere, that performances were all... A, so a, a there, there's no plot in, in this. You're, you might hate it for that reason, Ben. Um, it, I, this movie <laughs> is like is, Aaron yeah. crack. Like it is so steeped in atmosphere. And it's like the way uh, I want to say Robert Eggers described it the same way that uh, Tobias uh, Forge describes ghost. He says, it's like, imagine like there's a movie 
that like was from the forties that was like lost and somebody found the reel. It's like this mm-hmm. lost movie from the forties. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's four by three. What, what, what's it called? The Lighthouse. The Lighthouse. The lighthouse. The lighthouse. The it's, it's the same movie. Same movie. Okay. Sorry. I thought you were talking yeah, yeah, about yeah. one. So the, okay. Tobias Forge is, is the lead right. singer of the Captain band Ghost, Ghost. who is, cool. sounds okay. like they're like from the seventies and eighties. They're like, imagine yeah. it's your favorite band, but that, you know, the, the albums were lost until now. Just like Halal, a song. Yeah. Kind of also from Sweden. So, uh, it's like the lighthouse for me was, was total crack. I I've I've got to give it a watch honestly. It, it was in theaters for a long time, and I was like, I'm gonna go see it's it. I'm gonna go worth, see it. It's definitely worth seeing. And then sure. I never caught it, so I really want to see it. I do, because this is not the first time I've heard good things about it. What do you think? I, I'm I'm gonna be controversial and say that I saw the lighthouse and I thought it was trash, but that's that's my opinion. Trash? Why would you say <laughs> it's trash? trash though? Like it's that's hard. kind of a. I just I just went into it thinking, oh, this is gonna be a really atmospheric. Um, an interesting, uh, like what you said, like this 1930s Murnau movie dug up from the past, and instead it was just like this crappy, like scatological bullshit with like these two guys, and there's like <laughs> weird homosexual undertones in the whole thing that was like weird, and I just thought it was pointless. But hmm. I know I feel like I'm, that worked for it, though. That, like, sure, but I was, I, it was just sure, for me. <laughs> sure, like sure, but I was like. Like, like to me, it felt like it was like it led to nothing. It was like the poop humor and the scatological humor didn't really go anywhere. The, the poop homoerotic humor. tension didn't really go anywhere. Like to me, it was like an Adam Sandler, like a crappy Adam Sandler what? movie coded what? in aesthetic. <laughs> yeah, that's not you what I, that wasn't my take at all. <laughs> I, I hated it. I like could not stand it. But that's oh my just god, me. that is the worst thing I've ever heard about the movie. So, so man, that that kind of that kind of divides see. me a little bit. Well, I think give it a watch. Like, this is definitely a movie that, like, it, it, it's going to be a polarizing movie. <laughs> but yeah, I don't even apparently anything scatological Adam in the movie. But whatever. Oh, there was, like, uh, Adam Sandler was, like, the most like, offensive. Was, Adam that's, like, Sandler? the worst trait you, you could ever about? say. <laughs> it was, yeah, scatological humor. And uh, I'm, I'm going to say it's homophobic, too. Like, I can't believe how homophobic it is. I'm just dropping just, I like, don't, takes I don't think I, I agree think with it. I think, I think that you can't support these claims so much. Um, well, if, it, if it's a period movie, it, wouldn't it have to be homophobic because it's in a set in a period where homophobia existed? No, like, this is all... No, like, no. It was just, we're getting too deep into spoiler territory. Just watch the okay, movie. And okay. Okay, like, I'm being a little bit unfair to the movie, but I think, like, what it comes uh, to... Uncharitable, like, I would say. Uncharitable. I think, okay, my fair take on the movie is that I think it's aesthetically pleasing, but ultimately has it has nothing to say. Like, it's just, to me, it was like a that, little bit too... That sub- I'll agree like, with. That's how de- I felt, too. It was like a little too devoid of really having any sub- substance. To me, it was more that's, a that's stylistic exercise. Yeah. So that's, that's me felt. being fair. I won't sure. accuse it of homophobia. That is a little uncharitable, but that's where, right. that's where I'm coming from. But... I know I'm in the minority. Like I think when that game movie came out in I want to say 2019, it was or 2018, it was like everyone loved it. So did they though? It's totally. Uh, fine. I, I don't know. Hmm. I I, I, know. I feel like it. I feel like it was pretty pretty well loved, but I like, could be wrong. I felt the same way though. I felt like like it, it was like the performances and the it was they nailed the press in so well, like it was so oppressive. But I don't feel like it really went anywhere. That's kind of how I felt too. Like it didn't yeah. say anything to me that was interesting, and it didn't really go anywhere. But like yeah, but what was on display was very high quality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, not not to put down Aaron, I think like it's totally valid that you love that movie. It's just one man's opinion that I felt like it 
it was it was less than the sum of its parts. That sure. it didn't amount to to a lot for me. But it did definitely look like an F.W. Murnau 1930s movie or 1920s movie. It looked really good. Yeah, I mean, I don't, like the thing that I liked about it is it made me feel like I was at a place. Like it took me sure. there yeah. in a real it way. Sold that for sure. Um, I also really liked Willem Dafoe in that movie. So oh yeah, salty dog. I love so William good. Dafoe, dude. He is so good. <laughs> It's, he, yeah. he was really good in that movie. He was my um, favorite part of that movie. It was just his everything about him was just like what? The f-? Yeah. Well, I also have like this weird fetish for movies that use wind a lot. So like I just, I loved it whenever like you would just see like wind just like whipping around like the island. Like I just thought mm-hmm. that looked really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Well, All I right. am a little less sure about watching it now, but I'm probably still gonna watch it. You should watch it. Like for it, sure, you should watch it. In all uh, fairness, I think Aaron gave it a way more fair take than I did, so don't listen to me. I, I, I was dropping troll takes, so... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right, so I'm, I'm going to give a second recommendation. Uh, I don't know if you guys have heard of this, but there was this show in the 90s. It was like a collaboration between a, a filmmaker and a, a writer, and it takes place in the Pacific Northwest. Um, Kids in the Hall? No, no, Northern Expo. Oh, Twin Peaks. Twin, Twin Peaks. Peaks. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. So I watched all of season one to catch up because we're going to... I rewatched season one. We're going to watch the, the, the return soon How'd here. How'd you like it? Um, it's good. There is like a real dramatic tonal difference between season one and two. And like everybody looks yeah. a little different. Their hair's a little longer. Yeah, like yeah. I didn't notice this as much the first time I watched it. I remember people said that and I was like, oh, I don't know about that. But like... There's such a, a tension and like just like ever driving force and like presence in that first season that's kind of like whoa! <laughs> All of a sudden, the second season's a little more slapstick and like it's like the tension's lost. Like, still good, still worth watching, but like it, it is, it's a different product, I guess. The know. second season's it's, like like half plot and then half soap opera. Yeah, the first half of it, or the, maybe it's the first like quarter of the second season, is still good. And then suddenly so the like the framing of the every, I, I noticed I was watching it and something like the, the every shot looked like just different. I'm like this just looks like a regular TV show all of a sudden. There was a lot and of that motorcycle. was the episode that David Lynch was not directing anymore. It was oh, like clearly like this this just looks bad. Like these shots are just bad. Like this hmm. looks weird. The writing is funky. It's like oh I see. It's not they actually had the same writer right. still, but Mark Snow still. Twin Peaks yeah, is but, awesome. Yeah, oh yeah, it's, it's still good. I think the first half of the second season, but then it really starts to. But even so, from the first episode yeah. of the second season, yeah. there is like a, a, it feels different. I'm not saying it's bad or worse. Like yeah. a, there's no value judgment there, but like the the feeling is different. Like the, the first beginning of the end season has such a like, it just feels on fire. Like for lack of mm-hmm. a better mm-hmm. word, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of interesting with Twin Peaks as well because I think. David Lynch has basically disowned like ninety percent of season two. I think yeah, I has. think I think David Lynch wants you to watch it where you watch the first season, the first couple episodes of season two, skip everything, watch the final episode of season two, then watch Firewalk with me, yeah. then watch the return. I think that's you actually like, could do that. <laughs> yeah, like because because hmm. season two, like David Lynch has even said on record he hates season two because he wasn't a part of it for like 80 percent of the run so but he was still gordon hmm. cole sure in season yeah two. yeah okay. but i i, I don't cool. think i can't remember the full story but i think he just like left like the creative role 
like after the third episode of season two. I think that's what happened. So mm. can I can I make a slightly uh, contentious remark? Like I love Cooper and I loved Cooper the first time I saw him, but Cooper is a little bit of a psychopath. Uh, for one, <laughs> we know he's a psychopath because he talks about coffee that is clearly bargain basement bullshit coffee. You're not. How do we get know? Coffee. How do we There's know? There's no way you, in 1990 or 1989 that you're getting good coffee in the Pacific Northwest at a fucking hotel. And he talks about know? it like it's it's a nice hotel. Cocaine. Yeah, it's this, probably good. There's there's no way. Dude, you can he's tell just, because Cooper is so he's enthusiastic so about everything. That's what I, I, I don't believe him. So I think good. he either he likes bad coffee or he's a psychopath. And I think a little bit of both are true. No. Wait until think, you watch the return. Yeah. I think it's that's actually all probably I'll good. Say. <laughs> that's my that's my my view is that it actually was. Also, uh, Audrey. She got up here. Audrey's the best the best character. You think? What do you guys think? Mm, At least in the first two seasons, character. I don't know about the return. You can't uh, think of what? I can't think of my favorite, but Audrey's great. Yeah, Audrey's really good. I think my favorite Dude, I love performance her in the whole. Do, 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 do. Right, right. I, I like this this scene when she's slow dancing to the jazz alone. Mm-hmm. That's like an iconic mm-hmm. scene, right? So mm-hmm. I can't pick a favorite character. I don't know. I really like um, Lucy and uh, and what's his name? The other cop, her like her her, her like boyfriend, not boyfriend. He's oh, like a child. Yeah. The sheriff, <laughs> not the sheriff. The yeah. sheriff, like, deputy. I can't remember his name. He just has like the ridiculous uh, haircut or whatever. Or whatever. Yeah. yeah, which yeah. currently but still he's like a child. Future. He's like yeah. he's like a, he's like a child. <laughs> he is. He's like yeah. a child. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all all I, the characters I, are good in their own way. The characters are all yeah. good. Yeah. What do you call I her? Actually, we call her Log Lady. <laughs> right, right. I actually really love maybe not so much the character, but the p- performance of uh, of uh, what? Yeah, Laura Palmer in the fr- yeah. in the movie. Mm-hmm. Like that was yeah, like a was really great good. performance in Fire Walk with Me. Wow, mm-hmm. amazing. It shows too many good characters to pick a favorite. I mean, probably Cooper. I don't know. No, Cooper's a psychopath. Cooper's uh, awesome. Even Cooper's a, Cooper's a total psychopath. Uh, he drinks like coffee it. and thinks it's good. My, my favorite character in the whole show is in The Return. She's also in the original run, but I don't want to spoil it for The Return because... Okay. I haven't seen The Return yet. Different yeah, take on the character. The so I, I will have watched The Return... Probably within the next month, so maybe we could do a whole thing on that. Um, nice, sweet. All right. uh, Madden, thanks as always for the awesome track. Check out Madden, who does our uh, theme song at SoundCloud.com forward slash M A D Y N. Madden's got tons of music, whole albums, good shit. Listen to it; it's really good. I recommend it highly. And uh, Ben, thanks uh, for coming again. Thank you for having me very much. I am very happy to have been here and talked about all the stuff. It was a fun time. All right. Check out his podcast, Out of Mana, uh, linked in the show notes. And uh, we'll be back uh, in two weeks with uh, maybe a special guest. I don't know. I don't know what's going on anymore. That's all I got for you. Enjoy your 4th of July, people. Bye-bye. Bye.